0: hello and welcome to the dry run podcast uh welcome back to monster movie month we're, we're uh this is kind of the halfway point halfway through this episode will be the halfway point for the entire month since we have a uh, Five things on the calendar for this month because there are five Fridays in October. Look how Uh, far we've came. Yeah, I'm sorry for scaring everybody. Yeah. So anyway, my name is Sam. I am here alongside Tim and Nathaniel. Hey guys. Yo. Yo. I mean, boo. What the (laughs) fuck? (laughs) Why the fuck did my phones, dude? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> That's so whack. I'm sorry.
0: Now I'm gonna fucking die of a heat stroke. It's all right. It's all right. We'll uh we'll keep it. Um.
1: <laughs> Maybe Stitcher Premium will one day sponsor us, and then yeah, you know, that that was just, a freebie.
0: The next one out. we're gonna we're just gonna trade Bill Nye Stitcher.
1: advertising Stitcher Premium via the Dry Run Podcast. You
0: were listening to Bill Nye's podcast?
1: Uh, my pocket was listening to Bill Nye's podcast. Well, do,
0: is that a podcast that you listen to? Yeah, yeah. It's called How Science is it? I haven't I haven't listened to that one. It's it's good. It's tell good. us about it.
1: He um no he he I mean he talks about um current events and stuff as they relate to science for a while. I don't know if it's still going on actually, cause I, I kind of slept on it for a little bit, but for a while they're actually doing a COVID series and that was super, super mm. cool. It was um talking about basically the science as it related to all these current developments, you know, flattening the curve, uh, what does social distancing really mean, et cetera, et cetera. All this, all these different um, science-based discussions on COVID. And that was actually super, super, uh, I guess you could say calming. Like when Stuff was getting not that Hear, stuff. i mean, stuff, an actual stuff, scientist yeah, talk about it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not that, not that stuff isn't still really bad, but like the what, joke it was, was like that really Bill still new a scientist. and scary, yeah, yeah. Bill Nye is a scientist, and uh, the president is the opposite of a scientist, Bill Nye isn't a scientist,
0: though. And it, if you can, yeah, yeah, he's um, he's
1: a yeah, he's a, he he's, a materi- he's a materials engineer.
0: I was told that he wasn't really a science guy, no, he's not a Dr. Phil or a, or one of those where it's a fake name, he's actually a science guy
1: yeah he's a he's an engineer I, he, he designs what? he designs spacecraft pieces actually um,
0: Tim can you elaborate for the listener what COVID is I, some people might not know yeah
1: yeah. so there's there's this pandemic thing that is you know been swirling about the world and uh, they call it COVID-19 but for you know us in the west it's really more like COVID-20 um, 2020 has been what can I say the best year of all of our lives um, we're just having a blast Um, you know everybody is surviving and uh, we all, you know, nobody lost their jobs or anything. Um, it's just the economy is doing great and the president is responding perfectly.
0: Great. Um, that actually is a great segue into our movie this month, which as you know, is Annie Hall. Uh, and it is directed by Woody Allen.
1: Also known as COVID Hall. Um
0: Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so the so science
1: got, so, 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 what is the seg there? Like, j- just a great up here, segue. <laughs> so
2: he's a mechanical engineer. Does that make him a scientist?
1: I think that makes him a scientist. Does yeah, that make him a mechanical yeah. engineer? I think I think it makes him I think it makes him a scientist if he's done things like build so the spacecraft sta- this, the science engineers guy persona can,
2: started as a stand-up bit uh, engineers like where he was like pretending to be like a scientist engineers can oh, be
1: scientists that'd be, that's not a bad gig though you know get people to think you're a scientist and then that's and then, basically and what Doctor Phil did yeah
0: yeah so anyway back to that sparkling segue let's uh let's hear about. Woody Allen, why? Why has he? Oh, he's a it? science communicator. Woody Allen is not a science communicator. Yeah. So, so <laughs> what does that So, mean? Woody Allen is a science communicator, and let's hear why. They should why. communicate
2: that title better. Honestly, I have no idea what that means.
0: Let's hear why he is on our list. Title communicator for that one. of science communicators. Uh, monsters. monsters. Yeah. So a science
1: communicator is somebody whose job it is to basically communicate scientific ideas to the general public and make them digestible. And also, like edu- he's an educator. His job is to educate the public via media platforms, basically. Um, he That's what he does now. Um, but that is, for the third time possibly, that is not what Woody Allen is famous for. Woody Allen is famous for directing movies and um, his... His film technique, um, for what he's considered one of the greats for. Um, he's also famous for some rather lurid allegations, and um, he so they so they're 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 tied in with uh his relationship history. Alan has been married three times, um, first to one Harleen Rosen, only for three years in the 1950s, they got a divorce. then to a Louise Lasser uh, from 66 to 1970. They also got a divorce. And thirdly, to soon Previn from 1997 to present. And that marriage is going to prove very significant for us here today. Um, he also had a 12-year relationship with actress Mia Farrow, which is going to be what? probably just as significant. And relationships with actresses stacy nelkin and diane keaton it's all
2: tied together diane man. keaton actually it's happens to be conspiracy. the
1: star <laughs> diane keaton happens to be the uh, the star of um of our film annie hall actually she's the female lead and she was known for starring in many of uh, allen's films they had a long time working relationship
0: did you know her real last name is hall
1: Yes, yeah, her uh yeah, I'll Diane that, Hall, Annie Hall, I believe the the, the part she, was written for her, right? She, well, it's I, I,
2: it's yeah. And
0: I, mean, I, I heard almost an, certainly. I heard in an interview that no one has ever called her Diane or Annie. So
2: Her nickname was Annie. That's not true. Yeah, well. Uh um, Check your sources there, your bud. Your sources there, bud, cuz
0: uh it was her talking on a talk show. Vanity Fair I trust Diane Keaton vanity fair <laughs> <laughs> talk show appearance she that I Maybe she watch. doesn't
2: like the nickname. Anyway,
0: yeah. So let's, uh, hear about Woody. Uh, yeah.
2: So Woody so
1: Allen. yeah. So um, his first wife <laughs> sued him about ten years after they broke up because he made a joke about her getting sexually assaulted outside her apartment, uh, which happened, and newspapers reported she was violated. And he said, knowing my ex-wife, it probably wasn't a moving violation. He, she sued him for a million dollars. Um, so <laughs> um, he also was known for having a relationship with actress Stacy Nelkin when she was a high school student at age 17 and with Bobby Christina Englehart uh, when she was also 17. Uh, that affair lasted eight years. Um hmm.
2: We can and how old is we can keep those in he was much older. if we
1: want because they like we can honestly cut those out of this entire thing if we want, because they are relevant to what we are gonna be talking about. So Ellen and Mia Farrow. Um, They met in 1979, and they started dating the following year. Um, She would go on to star in 13 of his films uh, between 82 and 92. Um, During their entire relationship, they never got married. They'd both been married twice before, and they just weren't feeling it. So they actually lived in separate apartments on opposite sides of Central Park. And um, Farrow already had seven kids of her own, three biological kids from a previous marriage, and three adopted uh girls and an adopted boy um by the 80s they were trying to conceive a kid together her and alan um alan agreed to this understanding that he would not be involved in the child's care when the <laughs> ef- when the effort what? to get Deal pregnant failed, um, she ended up, Pharaoh actually ended up adopting a baby girl in 85, uh, basically in place of this failed uh, pregnancy attempt. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't involved in the adoption, but when Dylan, uh, the adopted daughter arrived, he ended up kind of taking on a parental dad role and spending a lot of time in Mia Pharaoh's home. Uh, by September 19th, 87, they did successfully conceive and they had a son, Named Satchel, <laughs> who would later <laughs> yes. very, very cleverly change his name to Ronan, yeah, um, I mean he
0: had a lot to carry,
1: yeah, but um uh. <sighs> Yeah, so they had they had a biolo they had a very poorly named biological child or, or together or sack for sure. Um, but they stopped fucking after they actually had a kid together. Uh, according to Alan, their their intimacy completely stopped after Satchel was born, and she kicked him out, made him give back the apartment key, and they kept on working together. And he kept on visiting the kids, but they became friends only. They would go to dinner, and then they'd go home. They'd go their separate ways. The romance just kind of ended, It just fizzled out. Um, by 1991, Farrell was thinking about adopting another child, which... Another one. Yeah, so again, um, I uh, this would be her ninth, I believe, because I think Dylan Farrell was her eighth child. Um, so she's trying to get number nine, and, and by this point, I'm starting to see a bit of a problem here. But... Um, uh, he <laughs> told her that he would not object to another adoption, which is kind of weird because I thought they weren't really dating anymore, as long as he, she would agree to allowing him adopt Dylan and Moses. Uh, she agreed, and that was finalized in December of 91.
2: And Dylan and Moses are... Uh, yeah, so they're, they're, like, they're swapping kids? Or they're like,
1: uh, No, it sounds like he is getting... he is he's getting, getting some of her kids? Yeah, he's getting partial... Uh, He's becoming their father, basically, legally. She's not losing their custody. He's just joining the legal dynamic there. Mm. Um... And apparently he was known for, you know, being there before the kids woke up in the morning, seeing him during the day, putting him to bed at night. So he was very involved with uh, with Dylan and Moses and uh, their biological son, Satchel, later again known as <laughs> Ronan. Um, and again, Sack, think, for sure. Think, yeah, Sack. And, you know, I'm sure that it plays a factor in why he, you know, goes on to change his name professionally. Um, this is where it starts to get a little wacky. Um, so... <laughs> in 1977, when Mia Farrow was still married to this guy, Andre Previn, so a previous marriage, uh um, they had adopted a girl, Soon Yi, from uh Seoul in South Korea, and she was an abandoned girl, and actually they didn't even know her age exactly. Um, she was between five and seven at the time of the adoption. Um, her first interaction with alan uh was when she was injured playing soccer in high school uh it looks like a, uh, her junior year of high school and he said i can you know i can drive you to school so you don't have to walk and oh yeah i'm sorry
2: who
0: so who is this Was me mia pharaoh's
2: mia this is
1: mia pharaoh's adopt like adopted daughter soon Ye. okay so got in, yeah
0: this is her 10th son bindle
2: <laughs> oh boy uh now, now i'm just way more confused than I than it was before
0: <laughs> yeah wait can you restate <laughs> wait, wait start over i was so focused o- on making that joke that i'm lost
2: oh christ
1: okay so 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 <laughs> before before Mia sh- before kidding, mia actually... was shacked up with uh with woody allen yeah she was married to this guy andre previn they, oh, adop- okay, they adopted I, su- they adopted gotcha. soon Yi. and um by high school she was hanging out with woody allen and um because, you know, fast forward time, her and Andre Previn break up, mm-hmm. uh, Woody Allen enters the picture. And so now he's the new so daddy. He's, so he's around when, you know, she's growing up. Yeah. Um, you know, they start attending Knicks games together in 1990. And by 1991, they become like kind of close family members. She goes on oh, to, no, Drew, to Drew University in 91. By January 1992... um, Pharaoh found nude photos of Previn in Alan's place when she was over there hanging out with him. He was 56 years old at the time. Oh, my Um, God. And he said he had taken the photos the day before, approximately two weeks after he had first had sex with her. He said that? Yes. Yes. Both Pharaoh and Alan contacted lawyers separately and pretty quick after those after they <laughs> like had that both conversation.
0: Like, I'm gonna go call my lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> and where was he keeping those photos that she found them the day after? My guess is that they, they were I mean, probably like sitting out after. on the
1: nightstand.
0: Ew. Like
1: I, I would guess that they were not hidden. They were um, probably
2: I mean, and they probably weren't the, the day probably and the day he after. He was yeah, for sure. you know,
1: and by, by summer of that year he found himself defending this in Time magazine and he was saying, I'm not Sunyi's father or stepfather. I've never even lived with Mia. Yeah, but
2: you groomed her.
1: You groomed her. I I'm just reading what he said. I, I'm inclined no, to agree. You, I'm Tim. inclined to agree with you. Um, but he said, "I've never even lived with Mia. I've never in my life slept at Mia's apartment, as if that is the defining factor." Um, and I never even used to go over there until my children came along seven years ago. I never had any family dinners over there. I was not a father to her adopted kids, like to, to her other adopted kids, in any sense of the word.
0: Like Duffel. Yeah, Duffel like, Allen. Yeah,
1: yeah, like Duffel Allen, um, adding that Sunye, um, you know, never saw him as a father either, and that he had rarely even spoken to her before they started seeing each other. He seemed to see few or no problems. Um, He didn't really seem to see an issue with this. By August 17th, he issued a public statement that he was in love with her and the relationship became public and exploded into the tabloids and late night talk shows and uh, the news and the public commentary. So you know within this you know within the same month uh of you know him, i guess you know going, talking to Time magazine about it, you know, he just decided to go public and they were married in December of ninety seven so they oh, stayed, wow, he married yeah, her yeah they they yeah, they got married, but they were together for like five years or longer before you know,
2: so how old I don't, I don't know if you, you, you probably already said this or maybe you didn't, but um, how, how old was she when he came into her life? Um,
1: I would have to redo the math on that one, but she would have been a kid. But it looks like again, their first meaningful interaction was when she was in eleventh grade.
2: Ah, okay. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, it's All right. Our, yeah. So, you know, he, at this point, for our viewers to break it down, what you're hearing is that he left his girlfriend for her adopted daughter that he sort of, kind of helped raise.
2: Yeah. And, like, the, the, it sounds like the details are kind of scarce on that. But, I mean, either way, that's just, I mean, ta- like, when you, like, like it, the, it
1: crosses, uh, I think, a lot of lines for most normal people. Yeah.
2: Um, like, in the, the, the Me Too movement, a word that has, um, cropped up is um or uh, popped up i'm sorry is grooming and i feel like that is like taking it to the next level <laughs> yeah i mean he's he's Literally a, he's like a highly famous and
1: successful filmmaker mm-hmm. and she is like you know some kid who is you know just aspiring to do whatever i think i read that she wanted to be a model and so he offered to help with her career mm. um you know so <laughs> that is not the worst of it Um, so 1992 was not a super great year for Woody Allen. Um, within a couple weeks of the public revelation in Time Magazine, you know, so when he did the first Time Magazine interview in early August, a couple weeks later... Um, He was accused by adoptive daughter, Dylan. So one of the ones that he, you know, got custody of um, who was seven years old at the time of having sexually molested her in Mia Farrow's home in Bridgewater, Connecticut. Um, Alan has repeatedly denied the allegation for, you know, almost, you know, almost 30 years now Um, when the allegation was made Sorry, had a major itch there. When 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 the alley when the allegation when the allegation came out in in '92, um, they you know they had been in a relationship for like 12 years, Mia and Alan, and they had these three kids together. They had Dylan and Moses, the two adopted ones, and the biological son, Satchel, also known as Duffel, also known as Handbag, also known as Ronan. Um, uh, because the molestation um, basically happened. Eight months after Pharaoh learned about the relationship with Soon Ye, Alan immediately said that this was like a revenge thing. Um, You know, she's trumping this up because she is pissed at me that I'm fucking her other daughter. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess yeah, bitch. that's 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 plot. You know, that's plausible, but also like, yeah, I'd be
0: kind of mad too.
1: Um <laughs> So anyway, um, so criminal criminal case uh, does start to unwind Um, the Connecticut state of Connecticut looks into it and they investigate the entire allegation. They didn't press charges, actually. Uh, Instead, they just referred her to a child sexual abuse clinic at the Yale New Haven Hospital, which I don't think is an entirely unreasonable step. I mean, they would probably be qualified to.
2: This is the, old? the this is um, the the daughter that accused him of molesting her when she was seven. Or, yes, okay. yes. This gotcha. is yeah. This is yeah. Not yeah. Uh, was Sun yes. Yi was yes. the other Soon, one. Yes, Sun Yi is okay.
1: is in a happy marriage with him to this day. Oh wow, to this day they are married, and um, or like at least they say they're happy. You know, that's up to them. But. Um, but so they they referred the the daughter um dylan to the child sexual abuse clinic at yale new haven and they concluded that he hadn't sexually abused her they found no credible evidence uh in the department of social services to support the allegation um and basically in his own revenge response he ends up suing pharaoh for sole custody of dylan satchel and moses probably claiming you know that she was crazy or something and that you know she couldn't you know it was unsafe to keep them or something. she
0: says i molested her give me custody yeah
1: right <laughs> the classic uh terrifying story um yeah he ends up losing that sole custody case in june 93 and the judge agreed that you know the allegation of sexual abuse hadn't been proven you know so the judge was not of the opinion he was a molester but wasn't going to give him the custody um uh he actually ended Probably, up getting his visitations to Dylan still suspended for six months because she was psychologically suffering basically in the opinion of the court whether or not it was true and so he was given like limited supervised visitation with Satchel and Moses uh, who was a teen at the time basically was allowed to decide if he wanted to see him himself um, he was given a little more autonomy and the uh, Allen attempted to appeal this in 94 and 95 and the decision was upheld nothing changed. Um, Dylan has continued to repeat this allegation um, s- several times as an adult, although important modifications have been made with respect to the original narration of 92 as Mia Farrell first described it. First public comment was in an interview with Marine Orth for Vanity Fair in 2013, followed by an open letter to New York Times in 2014, and then an LA Times op-ed in 2017. Alan has also spoken publicly about the allegation in an interview with Gail King for CBS This Morning and in a New York Times op-ed in 2018 and also in a statement to CBS denying it every time. Um, Okay, here we go. And and I mean, I'm sure you guys are just at the edge of your seats wondering, you know, okay, we keep hearing he molested her. What did he do? Um, You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's very... Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, so uh, so <laughs> during, so during the custody trial, Pharaoh testified that she became concerned about Alan's behavior toward Dylan in '87 in and 88. She reportedly told Alan that he was giving Dylan too much attention and not giving her breathing room. Um, He was reading to Dylan in his underwear, allowing her to suck his thumb and would sit on her bed in the morning waiting for her to wake up. Pharaoh testified that she found his relationship with Dylan relentless and overpowering with a wooing quality. But in 1990, she changed her will so that in the event of her death, Alan would have custody of her minor children. So at least in, so a little bit early. So in 1990, um, she, you know, she was, she still felt that he, you know, could, you know, basically be the godfather, you could say, um. Um, basically. And so by 91, she promoted the adoption of Dylan and Moses, you know, helping take them on. Um, again, this is before they would get into a custody battle. Um, but. She also had told her own therapist that he thought Alan was going to abuse Satchel and that he had a sexual relationship with another man. Apparently, um, Dylan once locked herself in a bathroom for four hours when Alan came over and he had to have an employee pick the lock with a coat hanger to get her out. Um, The family psychologist saw some of his own behavior toward her and testified during a custody trial in 93 that she saw it not as sexual but as inappropriately intense because it excluded everybody else. It's kind of a strange... Yeah, so the no, way no. to put it, I guess. Um, he said that he was paying extra attention to compensate for the time Pharaoh was spending with the newborn satchel. Basically, he didn't want her to feel jealous or left out. He was trying to be a good father, at least in his words, uh, You know, and spend a lot of time with her. Um, but that... that- but that is not the allegation. That is the prelude to the allegation. On August 4th, 1992, Alan visited his children at Pharaoh's country home in Bridgewater, Connecticut. And Pharaoh and a friend were out shopping uh, with the most recently adopted children, Tam and Isaiah. Okay, so they're just she's just still adopting kids. Um, but anyway, um, Pharaoh and Alan, um, they were going to sign an agreement two days later on the 6th, where Alan was going to be paying, uh, $6,000 a month for the support of Dylan, Satchel, and Moses. Um, and that day, August 4th, Pharaoh had called him to suspend the processing of that agreement. Um, why did she call? present in the house that she had left uh, were dylan the daughter satchel the son uh, a babysitter that had been hired and the children's french teacher um another friend um and some other kids of pharaoh's friend who were you know the one that was out shopping um so there were there were like a bunch of people there um uh Moses has said that he was in the house when Alan shows up. Woody Allen shows up. Um, next day... Is he allowed uh, to
2: just pop in like that? Or?
1: Um, it sounds like yes. He has a key. He has a key to the place at this time. You know, he's, so He comes up all the time. So he shows up and then the day after one of the babysitters, Strickland, tells Pharaoh that she saw Alan kneel on the floor in front of Dylan, then aged seven, with his face in her lap turned towards Dylan's body. She testified to that effect during the custody trial, actually. Um, the judge did not believe that she was describing any kind of abuse or inappropriate behavior. Yeah, what? Um, Just resting her head on his lap? No, he was resting his head on, on her, her crotch, it looks like, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, you know, take it take it as you will. It might be nothing. It might be something. Um, this is, again not the allegation (laughs) um uh they told pharaoh what had happened and she was not happy about it she telephoned her attorney for guidance and was advised to take dylan to the local pediatrician um they did and dylan didn't report anything she didn't report abuse to the pediatrician she had already videotaped her talking to dylan about this um and basically videotaped dylan you know making the allegation abuse of abuse on camera and makes a second visit to this pediatrician um and this time dylan does tell um the doctor basically what she had told pharaoh in the tape was that she had been with alan in the attic and he had touched her private parts the doctor was a mandated reporter and he told the authorities uh And he personally did not find any physical evidence of sexual molestation, but he was a mandated reporter, so he called it in. Um, (laughs) uh, Alan (laughs) found out from his kid's therapist in the middle of his therapy session and and said, I'm completely flabbergasted, several times, apparently. Um, uh, This lawyer, Alan Dershowitz, is hired to... um, try to resolve the matter without public disclosure. And Alan actually rejected the proposal. Um, He alleged that Pharaoh's lawyers had been demanding between five and eight million dollars in hush money. um, And that they were asking for all of this money for college tuition and for Pharaoh herself as a compensation for loss of income for the next 10 years. So that she was just assuming she was just going to be losing, you know, a bunch of work or whatever. Um, They, continued to go back and forth and say that they would drop... Oh, Allen's lawyers declared that the proposal was in exchange for the money, she would drop the charges. So basically, his lawyers were publicly stating that they believed it was blackmail. Um, He called the photographs of Previn a lark of a moment and said, I didn't feel that just because she was Mia's daughter, there was any great mole dilemma. It was a fact, but not one of any great import. So, you know, he didn't find it a problem that his long term girlfriend's, you know, recently of age daughter, um, was a problem. Um, by fall of 92, police interviewed Dylan using anatomical dolls. So, you know, the classic show me on the doll, yeah. the, you know, where they, where the man touched you. Um, and uh, she inserted the penis of the male doll into the vagina of the female doll. And they asked her why she knew that the dolls fit like that. And she told him that during summer school satchel and she had witnessed how Alan introduced his penis into Soon-Yi's vagina. Daddies do not do this, she told them, according to the statement. Daddies are not supposed to act like boyfriends. Hmm. What a strange thing for a that seven-year-old to weird. say. Strange thing for a seven-year-old to say. Um, um This was brought up during the... Does she
2: even know what a... I mean, I don't know. How... She was seven years old? I yeah. guess she would know what a boyfriend is.
1: Yeah, I... yeah, yeah, but yeah, still, hmm. what a, like a, what a strange way to word it. Right, yeah. So uh, they continued, um, Yeah, the Yale New Haven team continued to interview her, and they found that the relationship consisted of kisses and hugs, and that the uh, sexual relationship between Soon-Yi had began in December of 1991. Um, they he he declared that Alan had not in fact witnessed their sexual relationship because that would have been months before it started. Um and he was believing that when quote Mia needs something, she takes our daughter and makes her say it. So by this point, he is declaring that Mia is basically manipulating her manipulating, lines. yeah,
2: manipulating their daughter. Um, um yeah, that's weird. That like, uh, I think that the weird part about that quote is the word "act," because like, I don't know if a kid would say, you know, like, daddies aren't supposed to act like boyfriends. I don't know if she would yeah, word it that yeah, way. Exactly. Like it like, sounds.
1: It sounds like something. I, again, it sounds like something you know, that it, she's literally repeating. Yeah. It's, well, it, yeah. It sounds like something that a mother would tell a daughter. Like daddies aren't supposed to act like you know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. Um but so the Connecticut state police decided by August of 92 that, you know, they were going to investigate. Um, they were trying to establish whether she was telling the truth and whether she was sexually abused. Um, they collected more information in nine separate interviews with Dylan and her mother, and they also interviewed the nanny, and they had three interviews with Alan. Um, They met with Pharaoh again to review the original recording that she had made of her daughter in, Um, and... They also interviewed two psychotherapists that were treating the children. They interviewed a fuck ton of people for this. Uh, and completed in 93, um, in the spring, they concluded it is our expert opinion that Dylan was not sexually abused by Mr. Allen. The team proposed the study to try to corroborate or refute some basic hypotheses. Either Dylan was telling the truth and Allen had sexually abused her. Dylan's statements were not true, and they had been made by an emotionally vulnerable minor who was trapped in a bad family situation, and she was responding to stress. Or, Dylan had been instructed or influenced by her mother on what to say um so they gathered up um social workers and co-director of the yale medical center child abuse program and they met with dylan every friday for an hour or so um and they came to the conclusion that dylan had tough difficulty telling a consistent story and seemed to suffer from thought disturbances the inconsistency of dylan's statements lack of spontaneity and their impression of repeating something learned were the main reason for their conclusions that nothing was really wrong they Mm -hmm stressed that dylan felt she had to solve her mother's problems and indicated that the relationship between dylan pharaoh and satchel was very disturbed and itself required immediate intensive psychotherapy the team later destroyed its original notes when incorporating content into the report so i guess that just i don't think that means that they like destroyed evidence it just means they didn't have the notes anymore so we can't go back and look at them um Basically, they they found that Yale... Um, the, the investigators of the state police found that Yale took the case and ran away with it. What does that mean? I'm not really sure what that means. <laughs> it kind of makes it sound like they went in a direction he didn't like. Um, hmm. um, so... Custody hearings continued, and they continued to really basically be stonewalled. Um, the housekeeper said he thought she was he was a good father. Um, depositions continued, um, and all the psychiatric experts who who test were who testified in these trials agreed that Alan was playing a beneficial role in Dylan's therapy and upbringing. Shit, shit kind of goes quiet for a while. Woody Allen continues making movies. People kind of decide that they don't really believe it. Then, um, you know, uh, some other stuff happens. Uh, uh, in 2014, um, Mia and Ronan, who used to be known as Satchel, both tweeted a bunch of objections when, uh, when Allen won a special award at the Golden Globes. Um, they, Dylan went live, and who was now 28, and repeated this molestation allegation in an open letter in the New York Times. Um, she wrote that Alan had made her feel uncomfortable for as long as she could remember. He would get into bed with her in his underwear and that she would hide to avoid him. Alan called the allegations untrue and disgraceful and responded with his own New York Times op-ed. Alan or er, Ronan noted that the newspaper allowed Dylan's open letter 936 words on Christoph's blog and allowed Allen twice the space and published in the print edition. So Ronan came at them for basically giving unfair coverage and giving Woody Allen the print edition and double the space. Um um he was four in 1992 ronan was um he is still estranged with alan and he's been critical of him for a long time 2011 he said he's my father married to my sister that makes me his son and his brother-in-law that is such a moral transgression again i, I would I would, fuck, that, I, yeah. I would fucking agree man um um he wrote that after Dylan wrote an opening le- an open letter, his colleagues had given him daily mails, for, d- daily email forwards from Allen's publicist with an open CC list with talking points for reporters, the names of friends, therapists, and lawyers willing to be interviewed in Allen's favor, and they had to wonder if the talking points jeopardized their access to all the other a-list clients. Um, Moses who is Dylan's brother. And he was 14 in 1992 has actually reconciled himself with Alan and is estranged from the Farrell family. Um, so when Dylan put her open letter out, he said in an interview that many people had been in the house on that day and not one of them, not my father my sister was off in any private spaces. He asserted that Mia had cultivated a climate where they felt compelled to support her views and that she had actually abused him physically and emotionally. He repeated these allegations, um, to one of Alan's biographers in 2017.
2: So there was a specific... It was that specific day when, like, all those people were there, like the uh, the the French teacher and the babysitter. That was when, apparently, he had abused her. Is that what he's talking about, or...? Because it sounded, it was, it sounded like he was talking about one specific day there. Yeah, yeah, sense? he was talking
1: about that specific day, the day okay. of the day of the alleged, you know, molestation incident that you know led to the police case in gotcha. um, and everything. And everyone, okay, I'm yeah. sure they interviewed
2: everyone else that was there, but I, oh, I guess yeah. they're they yeah. yeah,
1: they they interviewed people fairly exhaustively, and as Moses notes here, people didn't really have anything to report. Okay. Um, he notes. That They're just she, not she, that That, his, that his mother was known for child abuse and neglect and a white savior complex. And he alleges that he saw Soon-Yi get a porcelain centerpiece chucked at her head when she was young. But the shattered pieces hit her legs. And says so years later, Mia beat her with a telephone receiver. Um, but Moses also says that he was the oldest in quote man of the house that day and he promised to keep an eye out for trouble. He was remembers where Woody was sitting and he remembers where Dylan and Satchel were. People weren't glued to the same spot, but he said he made sure to note everybody's coming and going, and he remembered that Woody would leave the room on occasion, but never with Dylan. He would wander into another room to make a phone call, read the paper, use the bathroom, step aside, get some air, walk around the lodge pond on the property. Um, Moses also said that the memory his sister has of being abused while focusing her attention on an electric train set in the attic is not possible. It's a precise and compelling narrative, but there's a major problem. There was no electric train set in that attic. There was, in fact, no way for kids to play up there, even if we had wanted to. It was an unfinished crawl space under a steeply angled gabled roof with exposed nails and floorboards, billows of fiberglass insulation filled with mouse traps and droppings and stinking of mothballs and crammed with trunks full of hand-me-down clothes and my mother's old wardrobes. The idea that the space could have possibly accommodated a functioning electric train set circling around the attic? That's ridiculous.
2: Dun-dun-dun!
1: Uh, fast forward to December 2017 with the Harvey Weinstein controversy the Har- the Weinstein effect the Weinstein wave the me too movement this is when Dylan Farrow writes her own op-ed in LA Times and says why has the me Too mo- uh, revolution spared Woody Allen she repeats the molestation allegation again on Gail King um, where you know and Gail King has also interviewed Allen I, um, by the way as, as we noted before um, Alan issues this is one, this is probably his most modern response that he's issued on this, most current one. Even though the Farrell family is cynically using the opportunity afforded by the Time's Up movement to repeat this discredited allegation, that doesn't make it any more true today than it was in the past. I never molested my daughter, as all investigations concluded a quarter of a century ago. On his blog, Moses wrote that Mia emotionally abused them and drove some to suicide, and he claims that Tam was among them. He said Tam was known for dying of heart failure at age of 21, but in fact had struggled struggled with depression exacerbated by a mother refusing to get her help and insisting she was just moody, and that on one afternoon in 2000, after a final fight with her mother um, where uh, Mia stormed out of the house, Tam overdosed on pills. Again, this is an allegation. I don't know if, like, the, you know, I'm not a medical examiner. I haven't seen her death report, death certificate. But, you know, Um, Soon-Yi, in 1992, also said the same thing, that she was known for hot tempers and rages, which terrified all the kids. They can't speak freely because they're all dependent on her, but they could really tell some stories, and I'm sure one day they will. Mia has been violent with me, and I have conclusive proof, but I hope she and Woody can somehow head off a custody trial. Um, so as this continued to pile on and people refused to let it go, um, many, many people in the industry, you know, of, you know, celebrity walks of life have weighed in on this. Um, the movement has changed a little bit, um, in the wake of Me Too and Time's Up, but overall I would say what I'm seeing are mixed feelings. People say that they feel he is so talented, it would be remiss to not work with him, until it's proven in court is basically the overall thing that i'm seeing because i could read off dozens or possibly even a hundred names here of people who have commented on this issue um people have changed their opinions on it in the past and they've gone back and forth but ultimately i mean people from michael kane to you know, Larry David to fucking, uh, Jeff Goldblum, um, to, to fucking Barbara Walters, all of these people have, you know, in the, in the 2010s were defending him, you know, um, you know, Bill Maher, uh, Diane Keaton herself. Yeah. 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 Not, not a big Bill Maher, not a big Bill Maher guy myself, um, personally, but that's, but basically they seem to feel that it hasn't been proven and, um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes, even Spike Lee has defended him, saying, you know, he's going through it. He's a friend of mine. He's a great filmmaker, and this cancel thing is just not Woody. So... You know, again, a lot of this seems to really be couched in how important his career and his work is. I mean, you know, that's what these people keep coming back to. You know, you're going to destroy a great man, basically.
2: And this is uh, this is specifically about the molestation allegations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is about the molestation. People
1: seem to, by and large, publicly have forgiven him for his an incredibly bizarre, uh, incredibly bizarre marriage to soon Yi. Um, it, that seems to, I mean, Hollywood is full of weirdos, full of people who, you know, got to play around on a set all day instead of going to school, so I'm sure that a lot of these people have very, very deluded concepts of what is normal. Um, That's just my personal opinion, take it or leave it. I don't think
0: everyone's like a child star.
1: Well, yeah, no, not everyone, but, I'm, I, but I mean, okay, okay, that was a massive generalization, but I think people who grew up on sets are likely to be fucked up.
0: Um, that's... <laughs> Not a generalization, but everyone on set is fucked up. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I'd say that was more of a wild generalization than the first thing you said. <laughs> uh,
1: perhaps. And now it's now it's uh, going out to the masses for all of them to judge me on. Um mm. perfect. Um, but so anyway, to to wrap this up, um, Woody Allen puts out a memoir at some point, and he go
2: if I did it.
1: <laughs> he, go, <laughs> he goes over Dylan's allegations of abuse, and he points out that unlike other cases of sexual abuse or harassment that have been pushed under the table, not taken seriously, adequately investigated, the accusation was taken with utmost seriousness. It was immediately and thoroughly investigated by multiple groups of different experts. Hired the most prestigious experts in the country, including Yale New Haven Hospital, where they're accustomed to using them as the gold standard for sexual abuse evidence. Um, again, she he reiterates that he feels her statements had a rehearsed and coached quality. Um, and he addresses the criticism against Yale New Haven for having destroyed original notes. And he said that it was their usual procedure back in the time to preserve policy, preserve policy before... Um, you know, computer records were really big. Um, and I, honestly, I do believe that part. Um, and again, they said, you know, child child welfare in New York State had scrupulously went over this for 14 months. They feel there's no cred- credible evidence of abuse, and the allegation was unfounded. Um, so I guess take it or leave it how you will with Dylan, but remember that he did leave his girlfriend for her daughter.
2: Yeah. That definitely happened.
1: Yeah. So, you know, and honestly I, I stand I stand with, with Dylan on this, um but she I, will, I, I, I will admit that um it sounds like it sounds like these kids were subject to abuse from their from their mother as well.
0: hmm Wow. It really sounds like Woody Allen has a lot of baggage, you know. Satchel, bindle, duffel.
1: Mm. Rucksack. Let's not forget him.
0: What about Fanny?
2: Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you always, you know, you, you should, you always want to side with the accuser. Um, however, I do feel like, uh, Mia Farrow had uh, a had good enough motive to, uh, you know, uh, uh, get yeah, she, back at woody she, allen she was, in some way pissed. it's like she yeah. was yeah she was probably rightfully really, so i mean rightfully so really like pissed. he he fucked up that whole entire family you know yeah, i'm like. a
1: tiger these are my cubs <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes yes um hmm, yeah uh, complicated and uh and convoluted story very interesting um very fucked up in in every way imaginable yeah.
1: Yeah. Um you know and again I want to I I you know I do want to take this time to ask why he gets so many women. He's a very ugly man. He looks like fucking Franklin the Turtle if you like, you know, anthropomorphized him and then like, you know, made him 80. He looks like he's 80 when he's 50. He looks like yeah, yeah I, I feel he like just, he's very very he's, short.
2: Did you notice that in the uh, in the movie?
0: Uh when he was like standing next to normally sized people? Well, at the very end his new girlfriend when he meets Annie yeah, the- is like She's like a six foot tall woman, and he looks like a like a very small yeah. He man must next be her. like five.
2: I mean, he's not Danny DeVito, but he's I don't know. Someone should look that up.
0: On it, he is 5'5". Five, five. Five,
2: five. That is a short man. Interesting.
1: Yeah, that's that's like that's like um like medieval height. You know, <laughs> people used to be all short and stuff. So I've read <laughs> and so that, you know, I guess it sort of segs us into, you know, Annie Hall, you know. So Woody Allen known for his questionable relationships. His relationship with Diane Keaton, you know, she's One of his defenders. Um, She seemed, you know, that seems to have been a fairly normal relationship, but they also had a long working relationship. And she is his actually co star in this movie. Um, Woody Allen is the co writer and also the director and the male lead. Um, I don't know. Sam, you want to take us off?
0: Thanks, Tim. That gives us a lot of context for the film we're uh, discussing, Annie Hall. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot to take in, uh, but let's get into it. Yeah, as I think as the cartoon Big Mouth wants us uh, summarize,
1: it is at once both very simple and very complicated.
0: <laughs> All right, so uh, so Annie Hall, released in 1977, is a film starring uh, Woody Allen and Diane Keaton, like we touched on earlier. Annie Hall begins with our lead LV singer, played by Woody Allen, speaking directly to the camera. Literally, the first moment of this movie is kind of just breaking the fourth wall, which is a very common theme throughout this movie. Um, so he's t- speaking directly to the camera. He delivers a few key jokes that are humus- that humorously set up his pessimistic view of life. And then he adopts a more serious tone as he begins to confront the truth about his relationship with Annie, who is played by Diane Keaton.
1: He also explicitly says he would never want to belong to any club with him as a member, (laughs) resemblance of his relationships with women, which I thought, you know, that didn't look super great for him after I had just finished reading all the weird shit about him.
2: (laughs) I instantly thought that uh, Sam, uh, I was like, Sam is going to love this and memorize all of these jokes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it's a, it, it's, a, it's a quote by Groucho Marx that he says up top and uh, it just kind of sets the theme for this whole movie. Uh, so Alan tells us that a year ago, he and a- Annie Hall were in love, but at some point it all fell apart. And he misses her so much. He's trying to sift through the pieces to figure out where the screw-up took place. The question of why the relationship ended is the central question of the film. He wants to find the answer as to why this took place, and he looks within himself. Uh, The film flashes back to a visit with a doctor when he was the age of nine. Uh, Elvie is depressed because, as he explains, he read that the universe is expanding and will (laughs) one day explode. Uh, his mother is very upset about this, but the the doctor laughs and tells him, "Well, you should just enjoy life while you can." Yeah, yeah he's on like he's, the,
1: he's on like the absurdest tip, right? He's like, you know, none of, none of this fucking matters. So like, why should I do anything? The and scene later, he's, he's like he's him. like nine years old. Yeah,
2: it it, it ends with him uh, saying like, "What's even the point?" And he like looks down at his feet, all depressed. It's
1: yeah. pretty good. And this is in Brooklyn during WW two, I believe, his childhood.
0: Yeah, and then we get a little more backstory of his childhood. Uh, We see his childhood home, which is located underneath a roller coaster on Coney Island. Uh, He tells us that uh, he's been told he can exaggerate the past, but he swears this is how it was. Uh, This is kind of the first moment when we kind of get a sense that he could potentially be an unreliable narrator throughout this story. He's got a bit
1: of trouble distinguishing fantasy and reality. And And he loves bumper cars.
0: He says so himself, yep. (laughs) Yep, and so it shows his childhood home which uh as he says is located under a roller coaster and uh we see him eating soup as the house violently <laughs> shakes in a comical fashion.
2: Yeah, like it's literally
0: underneath the roller coaster. Yeah, and though he's eating soup, we can see it shaking violently, but surprisingly it does not spill.
1: Very dexterous young man. Yeah,
0: that'll come back into play later. Yeah, and and <laughs> it, it, <laughs> And, and he says that uh, right after that we see him on a boardwalk And he says that he has a hard time differentiating between fantasy and reality huh? an- Another sign that he is potentially an unreliable narrator And this is exclusively told through his eyes Like He is the narrator throughout this whole movie And he, it's his story, even though it's called Annie Hall And she is a very central character it's being told to us through um, LV Singer, which is essentially, it's Woody Allen. Like it's not, it's not a character. He's pretty much just being himself.
1: Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of playing himself, and and I have a lot to say about that. But let, but I I'll yeah yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, okay. So he also tells us about his father, who ran the bumper cars at the Coney Island. Um, and he tells us about how he used to get his aggression out through riding and crashing the bumper cars. Later, we get a glimpse of his school where he grew up. Uh, we see his teacher and all the different classmates he says he didn't really get along with. At one point... Uh, I love the, the scene. At one point, the young Alvy gets out of his desk and kisses a girl on the cheek. The girl freaks out and calls for the teacher. The teacher is not happy at all. And then... Uh, Seated in his desk where the young Elvi was, we see the adult Elvi, Al- and he addresses the camera and uh, his classmates and he tries to defend what his younger self did um, in kissing his female classmates. He says he was just expressing a healthy sexual curiosity. This is not the scene I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, no, this
1: is, yeah, this was also this not the scene, scene. This is also not the scene he needed to make. I no. thought that, that was a very strange thing for him to say. What?
2: I was just expressing a healthy sexual curiosity. Yeah, like,
1: like I get it. It's clever, you know. Have the adult, you know, do like the psychological cutback, but for him to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. just another.
2: It's it's another one of those. Uh, like, I don't know. Do you call it a coincidence that like. <laughs> I don't know.
1: It's just yeah, we're you, we're finding a lot of these, and, and it's and, like you know, were they there all along, or are we looking for them?
0: Yeah, yeah. And and though it's problematic, it is fun to see him um, as the narrator arguing with his teacher in a flashback. That's kind of cool, uh, which is just the start of the fourth wall breaking. Um, throughout this movie, he'll be doing that directly, talking to the audience. Um, Yeah,
1: for those who are unfamiliar, the fourth wall is... um, So, like, the three walls, the first three walls are, like, the back, the left, and the right walls of the stage. Like, if you imagine you're a performer on a stage, you know, you're an actor, whatever you call it. Um, And then the fourth wall is what you're looking out towards, and that's the audience. So, when you're breaking the fourth wall, you are directly engaging your audience. You're talking to them. And usually, but not always, usually it means that everyone else who's not breaking that wall with them can't hear what they're doing it's kind of like a little tee you know like an aside
0: sorry yeah no that's good good context uh and so this scene ultimately ends um with uh the teacher says oh you should have been more like so and so and then we get a nice little thing where each student stands up and says ultimately where they ended up
2: this is the scene i was talking about when I yeah said I
0: it's scene. the same scene and uh, some of the notable ones, one kid stands up and says, I used to be addicted to heroin. Now mm-hmm. I'm a methadone addict. Uh, I used yeah. to be a heroin addict. Now I'm
2: a methadone addict. And then, <laughs> but it's the it's actually the
0: kid. Yeah. The kid. Yeah, it's, the, it. it's, it's not like
2: the kid grown up. It's like him speaking as.
0: Yeah. It's the children in the yeah. classroom. They're hearing yeah. what they're going to become. Yeah. And it's followed by a, a a girl that says, simply says, I'm into leather. Yeah. That was a good bit after this we get a brief clip of woody allen on tv uh doing some research this is an actual clip of him on television another instance of showing that this is just straight up woody allen Mm -hmm. he's claims he's playing a character but it's it's written about him he's loosely playing a character was
1: this him on dick cavett or him on johnny carson
0: I think it was Cabot. Okay. Um, later in the film, there someone says, oh, I saw you on Carson, but I think this clip was Cabot.
1: Okay, for sure.
0: Um, so we cut to adulthood, and we get a long shot of Elvie and his friend Rob walking down the street.
1: But wait, hold on a second. So, so if he's showing this clip, this is telling us, the audience, that his character is also some sort of at least moderately he, famous guy. Yeah, right? he's a famous comedian. Yeah. Okay, Okay. so so comedian Woody Allen is also playing a comedian for this. Okay, yes.
0: sorry. Yep. Um, and so we cut to adulthood, and we get a long shot of Alvy and his friend Rob walking down the street. Uh, we hear their conversation before we see them, because they're about a block away from the camera and walking toward us. But we don't realize that right away, so your eye kind of wanders, and you naturally naturally look around the frame. And there are several extras going about their day. pretty much uh, like a busy city life um and this is one of the first long shots throughout this film it's kind of a common thing throughout this film but so yeah you 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 hear them and you can't necessarily place where it is and it's not until several seconds into it that you go oh they're in the distance and they're on the sidewalk walking towards yeah
2: you you almost think like he's talking he's talking to the audience again because that that i mean you, you just hear like a a, a disembodied voice, but then you realize that he's actually talking to a different character who you just can't see yet. It's it's pretty cool. It's a cool idea.
0: Yeah, and uh, in that conversation, he is talking to his friend Rob, who is trying to, um, not quite yet, but he's talking about moving to LA and how he thinks it would be a good place to be. And uh, LV is very opposed to this idea. He's New York through and through.
2: I was a little confused on that. The the uh, the character. That he's talking to. Who is how, who is that and how does he relate to? Is uh, he just a
0: friend? Just kind of his best friend. He's I not think, related to
2: Annie Hall at all? He's not yeah. like her brother. I think, no, it, I I think
1: he's only in two major scenes in the movie as well.
3: If
2: I, remember. Oh, I, I, I thought it might have been like her brother he's or something better. Several I, I,
0: scenes. I don't know if they're, how major they are, but no, it, it's just his close friend and he's actually the one that uh, ultimately he doesn't directly introduce him to Annie, but they meet each other when he's meeting with another girl that he meets. Mm. I don't know if it was intentional to like kind of set him up with Annie, but in his and Annie's first encounter, it is with his friend Rob and another woman when they play tennis later. Um, So we find out we're about a year or two before the present of the initial monologue of the film when he's talking about, you know, it all falling apart with Annie and we haven't even seen Annie yet, but we figure out we're about a year or two before the present um, when a- when LV is heavily involved with Annie and ins- an-, an aspiring singer who shows up unapologetically late for their movie date. Uh, we-, we see LV. He's on a street corner and he is waiting for someone and he is approached by a couple men who are on the street who recognize him. The man can't necessarily place where he's seen him before, but he's like, hey, you look familiar. Are you oh, on dude, TV? This,
2: this, is the, this is the guy with the monstrous hands. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, this guy is fucking ginormous. Just a just yeah, a, a beast of a man. Yeah, he's very large. Yeah.
0: And he's asking, um, he's asking where he's seen him before. And he's like, oh, Johnny Carson. I saw you on Johnny Carson. And uh, Alvy's trying to kind of downplay it, but... Once they have confirmed, another man approaches as well. And once they confirm that he is on television, they start shouting his name. Oh, it's Alvi Singer. Everybody, it's Alvi Singer. And he's just screaming it to everyone and asks for his autograph. Uh, well, this is going on, Elvi's trying to downplay it, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Annie arrives in a taxi. And she gets out of the taxi cab and informs him that she is in a bad mood. Uh, he asks her why she is late, and she she says... He asks her why she is late and says, Bad mood? I'm out here standing with the cast of The Godfather. Hmm. Uh, this line is especially funny because uh, Diane Keaton is actually one of the stars of The Godfather, um, hmm. and uh, especially part two, but she's a big piece of the movie The Godfather. So that... He was referring to the men who are excited to see him but in actuality it was written because diane keaton is a star of the godfather that's right
1: isn't she the wife of uh of of al Pacino's yeah, character, yeah.
0: yep. i forget his name uh one of the Cor- <laughs> corleone men but uh is it vito corleone no that's marlon brando okay. i'm pretty sure
1: anyway Anyway. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, when he, when he shows up, the first thing he says to her is, "Are you on your period?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, was that his? The, yeah, the opening that, one?
0: that's that's uh, yeah, he, w- that's when they get into the theater. They're standing in line for the theater and they are bickering. And like Tim said, he uh, he asks if she is in a bad mood because she is on her period. Um, and he doesn't want to go into the movie because he's going to have missed the beginning. But the first like, two minutes, which honestly I'm the same way. I yeah. I'm the same way too, but uh, she's, she's claiming it's just previews. Yeah, he needs she to see be, a movie start to finish.
2: Yeah, she's like, it's in French. It's just going to be like the opening titles, like, you know, you, you know, we didn't miss anything. And he's like, no, we missed them. It started. I'm not going in. We can catch the next one. He's like, do you want to go get coffee for two hours or something? Yeah,
0: well, they actually switched to a different movie, I believe. Um, yeah, they do, yeah. Um, so the movie that they're initially trying to go to is Ingmar Bergman's Face to Face, which I've actually never seen. But uh, that is the poster on the wall when they're buying the, the ticket. Uh, so they decide to go to another movie and they get, in, they get their tickets and get in line for that. Um, while they're in line, Alvy is complaining about this obnoxious, loudmouth man behind them. Uh, and Annie is also arguing about, her mi- about missing her therapy session. Uh, so the man behind him is giving his opinions on different film directors, and he's kind of talking to us, talking to Annie, and just kind of loudly complaining about this man who is talking behind him. he saying, oh, he's spitting on my neck. He's literally just shouting his opinions in my ear.
1: And the guy's just like giving like very like uh, you know what he thinks are like highbrow film critiques. He's just going on about some director behind him. I mean, it's like it's not something that the average audience would understand at all.
0: Yeah, and at and at the end of this interaction, LV talks to the camera. He breaks the fourth wall again. All of a sudden,
2: he just like steps out of line. Yeah, he starts talking to you. Yeah, he steps out the audience.
0: He steps out of line and starts talking to us, and it's kind of strange. This is a this is uh, another instance where the man behind him hears him and steps forward as well and talks to us and says, well, can I not have opinions? Like, And they just kind of get into it. And he's just telling him that what he's saying is stupid and he, they're, they're just bickering about it. And this, this whole interaction ends with LV actually bringing out the man that he is talking about, Marshall McLuhan. Uh, some philosopher, I, I looked it up. I'm not smart enough to understand the, this dialogue, but uh, uh, so they're arguing about him, and he pulls him out to prove that this opinionated man is wrong. Um, and then it all ends with Woody Allen turning to the camera and saying, "Boy, if life were really like this."
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this scene is literally just. This is just like a comedy sketch. Like, like this. This movie's so crazy because like it's so dis. Disjointed, you know, it's just a series of like sketches, almost, or like vignettes, like just a um yeah, the pa- a series the of moments. And is some atypical, and yeah, yeah, and some yeah. of them are it, like are
0: just for a laugh. Like some it, of them
2: are so absurd that it, it's like this it is, is just to make you laugh, and it doesn't really further the story at all. Yeah, it's just, it like, I
0: mean, it is intentionally very structured in a specific way. Like it, it. It starts in the beginning when they're at like their worst in the relationship and then it cuts back to the beginning and we get little clips Leading up to what did that so there is a little bit of structure to the way that it's formatted, but yeah, it's like
2: it's just like a series of memories. Yeah,
0: there's not a through line, but there is some structure to it But yeah, it's just random scenes and I agree with you that there are some scenes where it's just there for a laugh mm Mm-hmm But it works. It's not
2: like it's never like oh why the fuck was that in the movie? It was just like oh that's funny, and you just get to I mean, and it does it kind of explain you know the characters you know a little bit you know I mean
0: yeah we get context to who they are as people. Mm -hmm. Um, So they see this film, and after the film, Annie and Elvie uh, go to bed together. Um, They they live together and are sleeping together. Or I don't know if they they don't live together at this point, but they are sleeping together at one of their places. Uh, LV attempts to get intimate with Annie, but she refuses, which upsets him.
1: Yeah, they haven't had sex in a while.
0: Yeah, she she seems very uninterested in sex. Annie brings up, and at this point, Annie brings up LV's first wife. Cringe. Uh, so this is a, another thing in the structure. They do flashbacks to different parts before the relationship, but they are kind of the ones who bring it up, and then sometimes it'll even go with into this flashback. It's a very... Yeah, they watch it.
1: Yeah, like, it's a very... Like the ghost of Christmas past. Mm-hmm,
0: exactly. And so they... Fla- so it flashes back to Elvie's first encounter with his first wife, Allison, and they are at a fundraiser. She's kind of backstage getting things ready, telling people when they're going on. He approaches her and asks when he is going on, uh, and he's like, he, he doesn't say who he is initially. Like, kind of seemed like he was assuming she would know who he is. And he has to go, oh, I'm LV Singer. And she looks at it and goes, oh, oh, you're, you're up next. This comedian's on and then it's you. Uh, he gets in an argument with her about having two comics scheduled back to back. He doesn't want to follow him because the crowd is laughing and he's like, oh, I got to follow this guy. They're already laughing. That's not, that's not how it works. It's not how it does. They're going to be laughed out. Yeah, they're going to be laughed out. Uh, And so he's kind of a little bit in an argument with her. And then he switches it into asking her about her background. And she says that she is working on her master's, I believe. And this is just a part-time thing. And she gives a little context to her education. And he attempts to boil it down. She, he, he attempts to boil down like who she is and she has this line she says i love being reduced to a cultural stereo- stereotype and he says right i'm a bigot but for the left i don't know exactly what he says about her it's very dense he was riffing
1: on her being some kind of specific category of of like predictable jew basically yeah it was some kind of like it was some kind of jewish american princess stereotype but more complicated
0: yeah very dense. Um, so after this, he does go on stage. He he follows the comic, and he goes on stage to perform his act. Uh, he goes out there and tells a joke. The crowd seems to be into it. And then we cut back to Allison, who is watching from backstage, and we get a little shot of her jerking off the phallic pencil she is holding, leading us into their relationship. <laughs> uh, we cut forward to their sexual problems when they're married. Uh, they're in bed together and this this, this is
2: where like I, I wrote down. I'm like, Woody Allen has not stopped talking this whole entire time. Like this is when I noticed it. Like he like, yeah, that's his just thing yeah, apparently. He is <laughs>
1: very, very, v- he loves to hear himself talk. He's, uh, I, I, I have gotten the sense by this point that he is extremely full of himself as a person. Yeah,
0: extreme narcissist. Mm-hmm. He just, he, and I don't mean the character. I mean the man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're one on. and the same almost. Yeah, and and so we cut forward to them being in bed together. Uh, it seems that Allison wants to be having sex, and Alvy gets out of bed and goes on a rant about the Kennedy assassination and the cons- potential conspiracy around it. Potential. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's for another it's, podcast. It's for another podcast. Another write it down. Um, Good idea. All right, Kennedy assassination. That will be released on Wednesday. Um, so will be back with that. And she accuses him of bringing this up because it seems like it's a common thing with him to bring up. She accuses him of bringing it up. To, <laughs> always do
2: this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she accuses him of bringing it up to avoid having sex with her. Uh, once again, he breaks the fourth wall and talks directly to us, and he agrees with her. He's questioning why he let her slip away because that's exactly what he was doing. He was avoiding having sex with her and then flash forward to his relationship with Annie when they're not having sex and that's upsetting him. And he's like, why did I, this, this was part, this is what I wanted. What did I, what was I doing? Uh, And then he, I wanted sex. And then he brings up that, Now I don't. He brings up that Groucho Marx quote. um, uh, I, I don't want to be a part of a club that will have me as a member just showing that whenever he gets in a spot or a relationship when he should be happy and they seem to like him, that he avoids it because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to be with someone who will have him essentially.
2: Aww, cute. Well,
1: and then we get to see like you know some like more like real everyday intimacy, right? Because then because then they're arguing over lobsters, <laughs> lobsters that are on the floor of the kitchen.
2: Wait, wait. it's uh, gosh, it's it's so hard to tell like where we are in this movie
0: because it jumps back and forth. Yeah, the movie is
1: very non-linear.
0: So we then return to the point in time when he is with Annie. We see Annie and Elvie more fully enjoying each other's company, Uh, and this is probably one of the most famous scenes in the movie. We see Annie and Elvie laugh as they are clumsily trying to cook some lobsters, which are all over the floor.
2: Wait, wait. Can I just go back really quick to the to the scene where he's talking about um, the conspiracy theories and whatnot, and he he says, "quote unquote," Lyndon Johnson is a politician. You know the ethics those guys have. It's a notch underneath a child molester. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I was like, wow. That's uh, yeah, there's that's another the one, one
0: of those uh, weird quinky dinks. There's another really bad one later in the movie, but we can get to that. Um, yeah, there. <laughs>
2: This is a PG-rated movie, by the way, too. I thought yeah, funny. yeah. PG this is used to be the, uh, the ratings
0: way more lit, dude. So we see Annie and Elvie goofing around. They're both afraid to pick up these lobsters that are all over the floor. It's very fun. You can clearly tell they're having fun with each other. I think this goes with the chemistry that they have themselves. Diane Keaton and uh, Woody Allen were intimate at one point, and it it really shows in this scene because they're clearly. Because of Woody
2: Allen's clear boner.
0: So they're just really having a good time. And at one point, Annie pulls out a camera and uh, asks LV to uh, hold the lobster and kind of pose for a picture. She snaps a couple photos of LV reluctantly holding a lobster. Uh, At one point, he's saying that a lobster is going under the fridge. And he's like, we got to get it. That thing will come out at night and come in our bed. Fun fact, it actually was going under the, the fridge.
1: That was, like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, okay, that's I'm really, sure it was. It was just that's some good improv some, yeah. on Woody Allen's part. Yeah.
2: Um, you so, gotta, you know, react with uh, with what's going on in front of you.
0: Mm-hmm. So we then uh, flash back to Annie's previous romantic relationship. We're with Annie and Elvia as they are physically present in some of the scenes that we are going back to to provide commentary on the men that she used to date.
1: And I really like this. The way that they, like... It was almost like they were walking through either, like, a zoo or an art gallery. They, like, walk past her past relationships and, like, discuss them as they view them. Like, it was... I mean, it's I, it's probably been done before, but I just thought this was, like, a really clean... I
0: don't know. It, it, it's 77. I think this was really groundbreaking in a lot of sense. Like, you can really see how much this film has influenced everything we've seen our entire lives. Like, this really... Mm-hmm kind of was new ground for a lot of different things, especially the fourth wall breaking. I'm sure there's someone's going to get pedantic and there's some film where they broke the fourth wall before. Come at me. This is still the first one, in my opinion. But, and I think the most uh, on the largest scale. Um, I think so,
1: Shakespeare breaks the fourth wall, but that's that's <laughs> on stage.
0: Yeah, we're talking film here. Um, so we watch as... Uh, Annie in the past interacts with an actor she used to date. This guy's fucking ridiculous, um, and Oh Al- yeah. And Alvy makes fun of him, and Annie even kind of makes. She tries to defend him initially, but she can't really defend this guy. This guy's a. This guy's a weirdo. He's a douchebag. And uh, he's like, put put your foot on my heart, yeah, Feel my heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> and uh, yeah, she attend she. She eventually agrees with him, saying that he was a weird one. Um, but he's an actor. Um, then the film veers off to examine Alvy's second marriage to a New York intellectual with whom he is unable to have successful sex. Alvy uh, is with her at a party, being introduced to uh, her intellectual friends. She's kind of given the lowdown of all the people who are there. Uh, she's like, he's the chair of this, they're a chair of that. And he has this good line, ah, a couple more chairs and you got a dining room set. But Ha. I liked that one. Yeah, no, that's it's, <laughs> it's clever. Uh, um and so I wrote
2: down that I thought you'd like that one. Yeah, yeah I he, I, he, I knew uh, up top
0: that you were gonna you were gonna after you said you there's some lines that I'll like. I, I do. There's some very clever clever lines in this movie that I think are well written. Yeah, and but, again
1: uh, he, he tends to think of himself as, you know, smarter than other people. Well, yeah, you know, right so here. so so it's interesting that uh, you know, he has such disdain for these people's high, you know, lofty
0: careers. Yeah, so he's, he's being introduced to all these people. He feels kind of out of place. And then it cuts, and he ultimately ends up in the bedroom by himself watching the Knicks game. Uh, and his second wife, I didn't catch her name, but she comes into the room where he is there by himself and tries to convince him to come back. He makes an advance toward her um, while they are alone, and she denies him. She's like, there's people from the New Yorker out there and that is the end of the flashback uh, we jump forward to Elvi's first meeting with Annie on the tennis court this is when he is with his friend Rob uh, and before the game he and his friend Rob are, one- are talking and Rob is once again lobbying about living in LA that kind of is a common theme with him he's just talking about how he thinks it will be so much better out there uh, and we do see later that he works for some sort of TV show he's a host or he's in a sitcom or something not exactly clear what he does, but he is in the television industry. It seems like he might be more more famous or successful than Woody Allen. Is that implied, or yeah, I was kind of trying to. I think he's an underground. I think Woody Allen is like an underground comic type, and I think yeah. that guy is more of a host, like, like television a personality kind of guy. Um, so he brings him to these two women to play tennis with. Um, one of them is. Another woman, I'm not entirely sure, but the other one is Annie, and this is the first time that they meet. Uh, They all play tennis together, and then we see after the game, Annie is leaving and attempts to make small talk with him, which ends up being kind of awkward. Uh, She offers him a ride home. He says, you need a lift, and she goes, oh, you've got a car? He says, no, I was going to take a cab. She's like, oh, no, no, I have a car, and he's like, what? You've got a car? why did you act like you needed a ride home and it's just kind of this weird you know so it, it, like Annie Hall is incredibly awkward in the
2: in this in this scene yeah uh, super awkward she, she clearly
0: she clearly likes him and is just like doesn't know how to yeah she's flirt just very or, bubbly but then like not being honest and just kind of going with what he's saying and there's a point after that when he's like oh I'm I like. She's like downtown, and he's like, "No, I'm going to uptown." She's like, "Oh, well, I'm going to uptown too." And he's like, "What?" He's like, "I thought you you just just said downtown."
2: Yeah. She's like, "Oh no, but I I I just like driving, so I can." And then we get another view of how incredibly filthy the city
1: skylines are at this time. (laughs) Because Jesus Christ, every time they show these fucking city skylines in the 60s and 70s, it looks like I'm just. Like it makes me want to fucking cough and sputter, dude. It's yeah, like it almost brown looks like, and
2: it almost looks like a like bad like draw distance in like a video game. Like everything's just like foggy like in the distance. Yeah. Like, uh, and
1: anyway. so so that's what we that that's what we get treated to
2: next. And and Annie Hall's driving.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so LV accepts a ride from her, though on the journey she is a very extremely scary driver. She says, oh, I'm a good driver, but as you can see throughout the scene, she is kind of just speeding, and it seems like they're going to get in an accident.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Water went down the wrong pipe.
0: It seems like they're going to get in an accident at any moment, Uh, and then when she drops him off, which this was kind of strange to me. I She's dropping him off where she lives or something because she offers him to come up to her apartment and he accepts her invitation. I don't know if he was just being polite and going to where she was going and then was going to walk or take the subway from there. But that was a moment where I'm like, wait, I thought she was dropping him off. And then they're at her apartment. But anyway, so they go up into her apartment. But before going up, Elvy uh, reveals that he has been going to an Analyst for 15 years Which is a psychiatrist I guess is yeah, the, the, the modern term For that, that Yeah, but yeah it, psychoanalyst through, mm. throughout, throughout this movie they call, he keeps calling it His analyst and that'll be a common analyst. thing <laughs> An analyst And uh So Once they get up in Annie's apartment They drink wine and talk about Annie's Books and family members She tells this very strange Story that She's like giggling throughout, but it kind of is about yeah, someone dying. Oh yeah, yeah their yeah, narcoleptic relative. Yeah, She's like,
2: yeah. one time he just <laughs> he just fell asleep <laughs> and he never woke up.
1: <laughs> well, he kind of set her up for that because he struck up an awkward like, oh yeah, back when my grandmother was being raped by Cossacks. Like, yeah, I mean that no, was he's also. So he's I such think that
0: dick to her. I think that's a little bit of a bit.
3: It
2: was a bit. It was. It was. No, but he's, like, strange thing to say. Yeah, know, he's definitely being, date, like, but... not uh, very understanding of, like, how, like, clearly, like, awkward she feels. He's just, like, being, like, a dick to her, like, this during this whole entire, like, uh, first meeting or whatever. And she uh, remains extremely awkward throughout.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so they continue their conversation. They've got wine now, and they go out on the balcony and start talking. Uh, And we we get a little glimpse into what they're thinking and it's given through subtitles. He asks about her photography. She's kind of talking about it and he's like, he's responding to her and trying to be kind of in an intellectual way. And we see these subtitles on the screen to express what they're really thinking. It's kind of a fun little thing. He it was also
1: it, kind of like highly sexist, though. Yeah, like,
0: it it definitely was. Okay. What he's thinking about is like, oh, I wonder what she looks like naked and all this stuff. And she, her inner monologue that we see in the he's subtitles, he's too smart for me. Yeah, like. <laughs> is, is, she's thinking that he thinks that she's dumb and that she's not smart enough for him, which he says. Uh, Multiple times, it's like a, a running theme
2: that she 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 says that in multiple yeah uh, in she she is very she's like, suspicious
1: she's very suspicious that he doesn't think that she's smart enough for him throughout mm-hmm. their entire relationship because he kind
0: of acts like it I'll be real I yeah mean, he acts yeah. like a fucking jerk yeah. <laughs> yeah he sucks um so we see this we see the subtitles and they're kind of hitting it off they make plans to hang out in the future he has Friday she says she's good Friday he's like oh wait Friday's not good and she. How about Saturday? She's like, oh, I'm free Saturday, too. He's like, you must be popular. Yeah. Kind of have just a little... He's kind of a dick right there. He, yeah, he is a dick. And so... I feel bad for her. She's so awkward and... Yeah, she's so nice. Obviously likes him, yeah. You know? And so Elvie asks her out on the Saturday night, and she says she's actually busy. She's got an audition at a nightclub to sing. And he goes, oh, I'll go with you. Um, and so he goes with her, and we see her sing for the first time. And it, she's singing, and it doesn't seem like the audience is really into her. While she's singing, there's disruptive sounds going on in the background. We hear plates breaking, and then a. <laughs> I love tr- this scene, yeah. And then a phone ringing, and she's
2: very clearly like really singing in this scene. Yeah, she's. And she's is, I mean, she's she, doing
0: great. Yeah,
1: the crowd just doesn't care. They're and ignoring her. They, yeah, no yeah, one like cares. They,
2: in the scene, they like raises like the crowd volume, like so, to like almost um. It's almost as loud as she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like almost as loud as she is exactly. And it's just people... It's just the sound of people not paying attention. <laughs> yeah. It's nothing like in particularly people loud, like figuring but just out like the... Yeah.
0: If there's enough seats at a table. Yeah, it's like people, yeah, people, people ordering. And, ordering and, yeah. and so then it cuts to them afterward walking and he's trying to reassure her that it went well. He's like, oh, you did great. It was just a restless audience. She doesn't think she did that great, but... Uh, so they continue going to dinner, and Elvi does this thing where he asks her if they can kiss just to get it over with, um, and she agrees. And
2: he's like, "Yeah, it's, it's gonna be awkward
0: later, you yeah. know, like when we say goodbye, we're not gonna
2: know if like we should kiss or not, you because know, we haven't done it yet." And he's like, "There, not like we'll just get it over with, and then we'll be able to digest our food better." Yeah. And then and, they kiss and he's like there now we can go digest our food and then they wa- and then they walk away and the uh, scene ends.
0: Yeah. And it, and if I'm being real, I have never seen this movie before and I have had that idea before to <laughs> say something like that and it made me feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> it really did because Woody Allen is a he, I don't know. He's pretty insufferable and it's like, "Oh, I had parallel thinking to this man." Yeah. That's not even a good move. But uh, anyway, so it cuts directly to them telling their waiter Ah, uh, what they're gonna order? I really like that cut. It's like, oh, let's get dinner. They walk out of the scene. Cut to them literally giving their food order to the waiter to start the scene. I thought that was, I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, so we see them order. They continue their conversation. Cut to the next scene, which is in the bedroom. Yeah, because it's it's rare that like that. Like those uh,
2: two scenes were like that cohesive almost because most yeah. of them are like jump forward or backward in time, you know, when it switches yeah. to another scene. And but that dis- one was like almost that was a very small, small jump in time.
0: It yeah. Was- and it was like, oh, let's go digest our food. Cut to them knowing what they're going to <laughs> <pooping>. eat. <Yeah. laughs> and then and then so we cut to the next scene. <laughs> we cut to the next scene. They're in the bathroom. Um, no, we cut to the next scene and they're in the bedroom after they have just finished making shitting. love after <laughs> they
1: just finished wiping each other
0: <laughs> after they have just finished making love for They're the They're both first shitting gym, in the bed um LV is a mess he's just like talking like crazy and she and she uh she pulls out some marijuana to smoke to some glass
1: but they were sexually compatible they, yeah they it were, was a good they time were, yeah and they had he, a good time
0: he, he's just talking her ear They're off gnatched. he's He's doing his neurotic spiral that he tends to do in this movie. He's just talking her he's, ear he's off. Not She's getting high. She's smoking weed. And she she. I off- wish he fucking hit that joint so he could yeah. just like slow down Just and, take a second. And and she actually offers it to him, and he says that he does not smoke or like to do quote any major hallucinogenics. Yeah, is what he calls it. Yeah. <laughs> no, because that, that made me a... laugh.
1: That was a good. That was a good little bit. Yeah, there. yeah.
2: He says if I have any grass or alcohol. Or anything like that. I become unbearably wonderful. Too wonderful for words.
0: <laughs> I tried to take my pants off through my, uh, over my top or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I tried like to that.
2: take my pants off over my head. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so they're, they're hitting it off. First time they make love. And we cut to the next scene, which has them at a bookstore where LV buys Annie two books about death. And he says it's in order to school her on his pessimism. And kind of get the see life through his lens. He's a worrisome guy. He's thinking of a death is on his mind, and he wants her to read about it.
1: And these are like really they they look like really boring like f- philosophical theory books. Like these are not like digestible volumes that he's picked out for her. This yeah, is like something that she
2: about, cle- This is something that nobody would want to read. It's about the universe expanding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, it's even the point. Yeah, I mean, it's the way that you can enjoy life, though, is reading those books, I guess. Yeah, well, and I mean,
1: um, the expansion of the universe is very fascinating stuff. You know, just look up Redshift. I mean, we have a wonderful online encyclopedia now called Wikipedia. A little plug there, um, you know, and um, you can learn all kinds about the expansion of the universe and, you know, still feel as though your life has some sort of meaning when you're done with it. That is what the internet offers.
0: So, following this, we get a few short scenes, which LV woos Annie in Central Park by telling the backstory of strangers that they're were wa- they were watching. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, you people watch, you go to a mall or something, you're kind of sitting there and you see a peculiar looking person and you kind of build a narrative of who they are. He's kind of doing that to her, just kind of telling the backstory of these people. He references the Godfather again, which I think they did it once, I don't think they needed it again. But, um, next Annie, uh, they're, they're walking on a waterfront dock and Annie stutters her love for him. Uh, she asks if he loves her and he says, love is too weak of a word. I loaf you with two F's. He, he just comes up with these different words. Love. To get her Yeah. I loaf, I loaf with two F's. Loaf you. Yeah. I loaf you. He's trying to get around not saying he loves her, but he's—he never does actually. Yeah, he's being cute about. It. Yeah, I don't think he says it the entire movie. It does not. But he's—he's he's being cute and trying, you know, getting her on his side by saying, "Oh, love is not a strong enough word." So these brief moments. I lump you. <laughs> I lump
1: you, mom.
0: <laughs> um, was that, that, that lumpy space princess? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, my God, I think it's going to be a really
2: fucking good time at the prom coming dance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So these brief moments of romance end with an argumentative scene later down the road about them moving in together. Alvy pushes Annie to take college courses, and she claims it's because he thinks she isn't smart enough. He's also offering to pay for her apartment, and she's like, "Why? why are you doing that? It's because you don't want me to live with you. And she's right in this moment. She's absolutely right. He's being a, he's being a bit of a douche. And, and he
2: says he says it too. He said he. I think he isn't this. Doesn't he talk to the audience again? And he's like, she's right. I don't want her to live with me. You're like, and he like, or is is he just? Does that happen? I don't know. Maybe I make it up. I can't. Up. I can't remember. I do exactly. this I, moment. I thought like he like that moment like made him realize like wait she's right like
0: maybe I, I mean, do like living by myself. That, or, that
1: does sound like what movie. i yeah what i do remember is that you know she's like you're saying you want me to keep my apartment that i'm paying 400 a month for and then just keep living with goes, you
0: it's 400 a month he kind of backpedals on it
1: and then he goes i'll pay for it yeah <laughs>
0: he's, he's gonna it's gonna be a tax write-off he says yeah so he's, um, he's
1: economically saddling this woman to him
0: so after this the rest of the film focuses on the the relationships in pending breakup which we've known from the start literally the opening lines of the movie is talking about what, what went, went wrong yep he's trying to piece to, he's trying to sift through and piece together where it all went wrong so from here on out they're focusing on the breakup that is in the back of our minds as we watch uh and lv LV wants Annie to have sex without marijuana. Yeah, but-
1: weed is, like, a big thing between them. Like, like I don't know if it's, like, in this scene or right before it, but they're, like, joking around with each other, and he says, quote, grass gives white women the illusion they'll be more like Billie Holiday.
0: Yeah, that's the scene. And, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah
1: that's, that's kind of a F- weird, fucked up thing to say. I personally like Billie Holiday a lot. Um, also, it's not just white women who smoke grass. Um, but I was like, huh? He's really gotten aversion to this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. sorry.
0: Yeah. No. No. Good. Uh, and he. Good boy. Uh, he, he's he's upset because she's so distant, but he gives up. He does, however, attempt to increase their love life with a red light bulb that he puts into the bedside lamp. Which uh, I mean.
1: Oh, I thought Honestly, he had that
0: there the
2: whole
1: time. No, was, he, no, like, pull, he, he pulled it out of like a
0: suitcase and put it in. He, he said, he, said he picked it up on the trip he was on.
2: He mentions that like later, like as an argument it, to like yeah. him trying. He's like, I got the, I got the light bulb, I, I got the red light <laughs> bulb,
0: because she's a lizard.
1: That's why we um, keep a blue light bulb on our porch, is to you know discourage hey, whoa, people whoa, from whoa, fucking whoa,
0: there. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, giving away too much information about our studio. Um. Don't be driving down the street. See a blue light. Don't come knocking.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's somebody else's blue light.
0: So he puts the red light bulb in and we get this and they they go to make love. She's definitely not into it because he told her that she can't smoke marijuana. I've been feeling and we get this cool moment when a second Annie appearing as a ghost. literal stands, out of body. Yeah, an out of body experience stands up from where she is laying and sits away from them uh, in a chair next to the bed. And it's just showing us how removed she is from them having sex. Elvie acknowledges it, points to it and tells us about it. Like, look how distant she is. She's so distant. And so does Annie. Annie's like, just yeah, don't well. do the motions. Annie's like, well, you have my body. Yeah, he's like,
2: he's like, but I don't want just your body. He's like, I want, I want all of you. I want this. I want that ghost over there. You know, yeah. I want, I want, uh, I, w- I want you in this moment. You know, he
0: wants that. He wants the eyes crossing like in Ghostbusters. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd getting a blowjob. He drop doesn't from a just ghost. want the macaroni in the pot. He wants. Uh, the he w- macaroni in the pot. And and so this is just another example of the height heightening of the fourth wall breaking. He wants the whole- fucking kitchen it, it, if this whole movie was just fourth wall breaking in the way that it did from from initially like initially it would get so old but i think they do a great job of heightening it they always change it slightly yeah, yeah, yeah. so it, switch, it remains fresh it mm-hmm. and i really like that about that i really like that about <laughs> this movie um so yeah, it's never like uh he like just like is just like Yeah,
2: you know, you you see what she does? She always does this. You, you know, like you when you're watching like a play and like they'll like walk up to like the front of the stage and they're like, You see? Blah blah
0: blah like and like talk can to you, the audience. Can you blame about, me?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not it's not like that. Like it's always slightly different. Yeah. Uh, they it, find out It's a, in a new a, way.
0: Find, sometimes they can hear him, sometimes they can't. Sometimes just, they're like represented you know, as like
2: a ghost of themselves and he's talking to
0: like, you know yeah, the it, ghost. Of- it it always keeps you on the edge of your s- seat. Like when we were trying to figure out what he did to her.
1: Yeah, it's like, is it gonna be this thing or is it gonna I be the I next? You're like, intro. Yeah, like, is it I gonna, like, is it gonna be this allegation oh. or is it gonna be something worse on top of <laughs> that this? Super, is, is Tim just still doing why, a really bad job here. of setting the scene? <laughs> um, or
0: <laughs> so after this, we get a few short scenes of Alvy's career. Uh, he is talking to a talk show host that he will be writing jokes for. Uh, this guy's over the, like, he's just high energy. He's talking to him. LV is not into it. And we start to hear his inner monologue while he is fake smiling. He says, if only I had the nerve to do my own jokes. That, I I hated that line, honestly, because he is doing his own jokes. He wrote this. Yeah. And I, I think, think that was think, the point to it. And he's just I think knowing how the movie off. was yeah. like... Uh, it's was just,
2: made also like some of like the continuity things that kind of don't make sense like well i mean like no, knowing now what well, we know like how the movie was made you know just being yeah. like a trimmed down of like a, a yeah, down this wasn't a the product.
0: initial story right the, yeah the, the, he the this story fell in his lap and he cut it to be this story yeah um so yeah i just think that that was woody trying to be cute with his writing and i hated it um Aww, so. i thought it was really cute so So then we see LV doing a comedy show at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, he tells is this
2: he, in Chippewa Falls or was it somewhere? Uh, this is
0: that? at the University of wis I'm not sure exactly it doesn't say where, but she is from Chippewa Falls, which leads us into the next scene. Uh, Annie is there and she is backstage with him after the University of Wisconsin show And she is excited to bring him to dinner with her family She tells him this while he's signing autographs and being in pictures with these students who are backstage
1: It, it looked like he might have been doing a show at a, If not an actual UW facility, maybe the Orpheum Theater on State Street I would have to rewatch and see if it has the
0: theater boxes or whatever, but that's that's neither here nor there literally so uh, after, it? So after that, Elvie travels with Annie to her family home in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, where he feels very alienated by her family and her, his quote, classic Jew hater grandmother. <laughs> um, at one point during this dinner, he feels very alienated and we, we get it from his perspective and he sees him, he is literally dressed as a rabbi. Um, just showing how he feels in that situation. He's the only uh, Jew in that situation. Yeah, and It and it's just a- shows
2: you're just like staring at him, and then it, all of a sudden it says there's just like a five-second clip from like her perspective and he's like completely like orthodox, like yeah, guy, he's, like curly hair. Yeah, like, curly like, sideburns. And it's just like, like a five second shot and he's just like talking. <laughs> super just, I, I don't even remember he that. He I wrote, I wrote the,
1: the Grandmother Seems Disdainful of him, which is you did a, notice that he a just wild him to a understatement he's he, he 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 was, he was fully
0: dressed as an Orthodox It was super quick. That's why <laughs> it was Jua so funny.
2: Like it was just like one. Yeah, I,
1: I must super have. I must have been taking a note when
2: that happened.
0: That's hilarious. <laughs> so, so then, um, he feels this way, and LV conjures up an imaginary conversation between his family and Annie's family. We actually get a split screen where it shows what each of their dinners would look like. His is very his family's kind of argumentative. They're loud. They're shouting, and they the and her family is just kind of. A little quieter. It just shows the contrast between the two upbringings of our two characters. Uh, and after dinner, we get a short- wait. That that uh, I I read um, a fun fact that that was actually
2: shot simultaneously, just like with like a wall dividing them. Yeah, it the, wasn't two separate cuts. I That's I read cool. I read
0: that about another um, scene in the movie as well when mm. they're uh, both of their that analysts. One, might makes that makes that cutaway even cooler. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, so that during, during, I would believe it because it happens later in the movie as yeah, well. Yeah. And
2: Woody Allen isn't in any of those. So they could have done, or yeah, yeah they, they, could have, they could have done that. Um, well, it's possible. he's in the second one. He's in the he's in that clip. I thought it was just the no families. no no
0: the, the the other one. I'm
2: talking. Oh okay. No yeah. The families are like talking to
0: each other and like arguing. During yeah, that scene. it's, it's like cool. the same conversation, but there's another twist. Volumes. Another twist. Yeah, of like the his way
1: more like crotchety, like less proper mom mm-hmm. versus yeah. Mrs. Hall, who's like you know kind of like looks like a little bit richy Rich, kind of proper.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after dinner, there is a short scene where we get a cameo from Christopher Walken. Uh, he, 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 he asks to talk to Alvy because he is an artist and he has something he wants to tell him he talks about when he is driving at night that he gets the urge to veer into the oncoming headlights and he, can, and he can just see the accident and the broken glass and the twisted metal and all this and he doesn't know what to do because he often feels this way when he's driving and so then we he walks away he's like oh i gotta get i gotta get back to the planet earth he like distances himself from this conversation, that I think it's her cousin or her brother. It's I her think. brother. It doesn't it's even explain. This is just another one of these they, like su- they sketches. Su- they subtly like,
1: mention it later. Yeah, but so, like so, so but, then like, I took it as like a deer hunter reference, like the movie The Deer Hunter, like because I mean his character was just so disturbed, like it was just no, so weird. It was a, like, a, no,
2: yeah, it was just it was just like a sketch. And You know that one is an, another scene that's just played well, for laughs. Like it, it doesn't well, and anything. there's a, there's an, there's a yeah, like, meeting your girlfriend's brother for the first time, and he's after.
0: Yeah. After um, after this happens, they are getting ready to leave. Uh, the Deer Hunter came out in, a year later. So oh fuck. Okay. Um. That. So so it actually um it amplifies later because they are leaving. This family home, they're taking a flight back and they're like, Oh, your brother can drive you.
2: Yeah, no, that's like the next scene, isn't it?
0: It's the next scene right after that conversation. So it's a
2: continuation of the same sketch.
0: He he leaves and then they're like, Oh no, the brother can drive. And then it cuts to them in the car, and Christopher Walken is driving them to the airport at night. It's like raining. And, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> and it's raining. And Annie's in the middle, and she's like happy. She thought dinner went well. The camera I'm just pans And then it from the driver To the left. Yep, and then it pans to Woody Allen, and he is just horrified. Just white-knuckling it. (laughs) Obviously (laughs) thinking about what Christopher Walken just told him about how he thinks about... Fucking just crashing into oncoming traffic. And then I, and then I don't think
2: uh, I think that's it for Christopher Walken in this movie. Yeah. Does he come yeah. back again? No, I don't it's think he just does. That yeah. brief cameo Just a, like yeah. random. There's a couple of funny he there's in. There's a couple prominent and now he walked actors. Out.
0: <laughs> there's a couple. I liked that. Uh, there's a couple pr- prominent actors who have very brief cameos in this movie. Yeah. But we'll get to another one in a moment. In a different scene later, Annie briefly discusses a se- a session with her <laughs> new analyst uh she had a dream where frank sinatra wearing glasses was suffocating her i believe she said with a pillow um and woody allen is listening like whoa frank sinatra is suffocating you and she's like oh yeah um well my analyst thinks that frank sinatra is a singer and you are lv singer so she thinks that the singer represents you and he's like what
1: and around the same time, he's also been following her around a little bit and growing increasingly jealous. Yeah,
0: and that we, we see that in the next scene. Um, so then it cuts back to New York and Elvie encounters Annie on the street. Uh, and Annie does accuse him of spying on her and they have a heated argument. He is upset because she's spending time with her professor, which and he, he, wa- he pushed her into. doing. Her. Yeah, he was spying on her. And uh, she only has that professor because he was pushing her to be in school because he doesn't think she's smart enough. But anyway, uh, so... And she calls
1: him out for this in this scene as yeah, well. Yeah,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, searching for the secret to a successful relationship, Elvi questions pedestrians on the street. Uh, he just asks, ladies, what am I doing wrong? What is going on?
2: <laughs> I love this scene.
0: And he... Uh, Ultimately, the people he asks are too weird or just dumb in his eyes and can't give him advice. He talks to a specific couple and he's like, how do you deal with this? And they're like, well, I'm just dumb. And he's yeah, like, I am too. I'm totally, a, I have nothing going on in my
2: brain and uh, yeah. he, I'm the same way. J- j- yeah, just why I don't we're don't really have anything important to say. Yeah, <laughs> just
0: just shows how fucking smart he thinks he is. Yeah, like, yeah. And cynical. Fucking, and- yeah, just a... He just thinks that's a, the only way to be happy, basically, is to be, is to be incredibly dumb. Yeah. And uh, so he is left without a solution and blames his failures on his problems earlier in life, saying that he always falls for the wrong women. Uh, we then get an animated scene where Annie is transformed into the evil queen in Snow White. He accuses her of being on her period again, and she's like, I don't have my period. I'm a cartoon character. Uh, and is he El-
1: supposed to be Mr. Peabody from Sherman and Mr. He, he Peabody? He sure looks
0: like it. He is portrayed as a small and childish man. Uh, it definitely does appear to be the same art style. I don't know if that's intentional, but uh, and then a cartoon version of Elvie's friend Rob, who is the same size as him, same art style, enters and saying that he has a new girl for Elvie. I really liked this animated scene. It was I another. Yeah. It was another thing that's you know keeping the fourth wall breaking fresh. It's like a, just a different look it, yeah just
1: continuing it, with sort of the experimental nature of, the, of yeah. the presentation i guess yeah i liked it a lot too
0: and then sometime after splitting up with annie lv tries dating again he goes so we jump ahead in the future after he's kind of sp- split with annie after they're yeah him following her and all that so he tries to date again he goes out with this girl pam who is played by Shelley duvall um and she is a very odd skinny rolling stone reporter who he doesn't seem to mesh with her based on their conversation she's talking about a performance she saw with bob dylan uh and he just is not into it at all um They eventually have. They they eventually go back, and it cuts to after they have had sex.
1: Yeah, yeah. Somehow he gets to fuck her, even though she's like like they're not clicking at all. He still gets to fuck her.
0: Yeah, (laughs) he is the writer, so he gets to do what he wants, I guess. But so it it cuts to it cuts to them laying in bed together, and it's clear that it wasn't good. It was bad sex. You can tell when she says sorry. It took me so long to finish. I think that's the. Dialogue cue that it wasn't good and he talks about it's how guy, yeah, just starting. You know to my jaw? Again. You know yeah. what else you know what else she said? I have this written down Sex with you is really a
1: Kafka-esque experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that as a compliment and For those who are not when when people talk about Kafka-esque. They're almost always talking about franz kafka's uh the metamorphosis which is a story about a man who wakes up from dreams of being sexually inadequate and finds out that he is a cockroach
0: so so so
1: when people say that something is kafka-esque it usually means that it is trippy and bad
3: (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, and so during this conversation where she's telling him this, uh, they're inter- interrupted by a phone call um, from Annie. And uh, he answers it and he eventually goes over to Annie's apartment. She's which, in distress, yeah, obviously. He's like, What?
2: I'll be right over.
0: Yeah, when he arrives, he finds her frazzled. Uh, and then she—it seems like something bad is going on—and he gets there, and she asks him to kill a spider. <laughs> so it's nothing crazy, but I like that. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a fun scene, and uh, it is a fun scene. But again,
1: a typical sexist trope. I just That's get like, true. That's true. <laughs> like mm-hmm. kill the spider. She has to call him over.
0: And, and when he arrives and is in her apartment, he sees different things that he criticizes for her for. He sees a program to a rock concert. He starts grilling her about who, he, who she went with. And then he asks for a magazine. She brings him back a magazine. He's like, when did you start reading this? The National it's, Review. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is trash. And so he goes into... Why don't you get William
1: F. Buckley to kill the spider? Which <laughs> I did laugh out loud at because I think he's like a conservative columnist.
0: Um yeah, so once he has the magazine, he goes into the he goes <laughs>
2: I said that weird <laughs> <See> the magazine. <laughs> One,
0: once he grabs that magazine, he, and he he before he goes in there to kill the spider, she's like, "So you can kill spiders?" He's like, "Honey, I've been killing spiders since I was 30." That part made me laugh. Um and so he goes in there. I didn't really
2: uh- I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm really stupid, but I, I don't. I didn't really understand that, t- to be totally honest. Like, I
0: have been killing spiders since I was 30. Yeah, like what's the joke? Is that uh, he just he, stopped being w- scared of spiders? Yeah, he was okay. scared of spiders until he's 30. Oh, okay. All right. So he finally... Well, was- that, that's what I thought it was, but I thought... Okay. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so he... He goes into the bathroom and quickly comes out. He's like, oh, that's a big one, and there's two of them.
2: No, no, he comes back, and he's like, there's two! There's two of them yeah. in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And then And then he asks for something else. He grabs a pipe, and then we see him in the bathroom in room, flailing around it. a pipe and the magazine just attacking the bathtub. We can't see the contents of the bathtub, but he's just, like, breaking stuff around him, going crazy on this bathtub. And then uh, he eventually kills it. Afterward, Annie... Yeah. Annie it's the size of a Buick. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah afterward, You told
2: me it was the size of a Buick. There's <laughs> two of them in there.
0: <laughs> uh, afterward, Annie cries about missing him. They reconcile and vow never to break up again. Uh, naturally, she also asks bang. if when she called him... If there was someone else
1: in his room, because she thought she heard somebody, and there there was, this was the woman that he just picked up and said, "Yeah, the the Kafka-esque experience." Yeah, he lies
0: and he says there was not. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Yeah, and so after the scene, we cut to Elvie, Annie, and Rob going on a trip to where Elvie grew up. They visit the roller coaster home that he was brought up in, and they all as a kind of onlookers to this flashback they're in the scene and they witness different scenes from his upbringing we get another uh instant of the house shaking from the roller coaster at a party um with the whole house shaking so they kind of see she kind of gets a sense for his past um after that um it, it they they're leaving and she says oh that was pretty fun for my birthday and he's like oh it's not till tomorrow no gifts until midnight Cut to later that night, he is giving her a birthday gift. She opens it, and it is some lingerie. And Big she's like, "She's like, oh, this must be a, a birthday gift from you. And she kind of seems disappointed at first, but then he provides another box, which contains a watch, which is the real present. So he gave her both gifts, and she seems into it. One so, for you, one for me. Yeah, it seems like they're happy again. Uh, we then cut to Annie singing during a performance at a club. By this time, Annie's singing talents has significantly improved. It seems like she's kind of more established in the scene. She feels more comfortable. Uh, the, the audience seemed into it, too. They're paying attention. It's not like when the plates were breaking and the phone was ringing. It seems like they're, like, there to watch singing. Things are going well from her. People with are her, noticing her this her, time. Yeah, yeah. She's, her. The,
2: she's the star. Yeah. Whereas before, she was just a background noise. Or at least she
1: was an opener. I don't know if she was a headliner, but people were watching her. People
2: were watching her, and they liked it. Yeah.
0: So after the show, a music producer, Tony Lacey. Did you guys know who plays Tony Lacey? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, It is Paul Simon of Simon 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 and Garfunkel. Simon
2: and Garfunkel. Uh, With
0: the mama
1: Uh, pajama, he
0: rolled out of bed and he ran to the police station. And that's why I played My Name is Al before this, uh, before we recorded oh. um, a Paul Simon solo song. Gosh, you're, uh, <laughs> you're brilliant. Gosh, you're brilliant. But anyway, uh, he approaches her after the show and he asks both Annie and Elvie to join them in attending a party. Uh, he also tells Annie that he really liked her voice. She thought she did really well. Elvy's uh, not super into it. He forces her to decline. No, he's like, oh yeah, no. We,
2: remember we uh we had that
0: thing. Yeah, yeah she's, she's like, like a, she's, she's
2: like, what what thing? He clips her wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just totally. I think this was the moment when I like really, I'm like, fuck this guy. Yeah, like she she's getting this big big break, you know. Yeah, she's
1: uh, having like a shot to basically schmooze professionally with somebody. And he's trying can, to keep her yeah. down.
0: Yeah, and she she at the end tells him that she's like, I I did want to go. And he's like, oh, why do you want to go to that? And it kind of just cuts away from it. But they didn't even fight about it. She was so polite. She's like, "Oh, what you you, yeah, you really don't so nice. want to go?" Like, she's it could so, be so nice, and he's yeah. so mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then after this, we cut Me. we cut to another split screen scene. This is where Elvie and Annie are both talking to their respective therapists about their sexual problems simultaneously. Like you were saying earlier, how it's one scene with actually a wall in between. It's not mm-hmm. two separate scenes put together. But it's supposed to be like a split screen. Type yeah, deal. and it, it looks like a split screen, but it's actually a set with a wall down the middle. Um, so, so they're talking and Annie is talking about how Elvi constantly wants to sleep together like three times a week. At the same time, Elvie is saying they hardly ever sleep together. It's only three times a week. And just the contrast of the two viewpoints—they're talking over each other too. Yeah. So like, it, yeah, and,
2: it's simultaneous. Uh, they're talking at the same time. Yeah. So they're both like spilling their problems out to their therapist, and uh, one will be like quieter, and then the other one will, will get louder, and you can hear like that side, and then that will, that side will get quieter, and then you can hear you know Annie's side. And, yeah. You know. And she's yeah.
1: unhappy uh, they don't seem to be making uni- a they're not well, yeah, yeah but they're not making a unified progress you know they're interested in different things and she well, is like clearly, really unhappy
0: yeah they clearly have different perspectives because they're talking about the same thing they're talking about three to- having sex three times a week and he's upset that's not enough she thinks it's too much um, Another factor in this that is kind of interesting Annie during hers it appears that she is looking into the eyes of her therapist where Alvi is like laying on a couch looking away from him. And I think that, I think the that, Freudian thing. Yeah. I think that very much, uh, kind of tells a little about who they are. He's, you know, complaining about her not making eye contact with someone. And she's having a genuine conversation with, with her therapist, like, you know, a face to face conversation. Yeah. And her, her therapist
1: just, seems to be more of like a Youngian psychologist. Yeah, like, It seems to, know, to be they're... the more
0: new school yeah. um, psychiatry. um, So then we cut to a social gathering. They're both attending with a couple of friends. Annie and the friends are trying to convince Alvy to try cocaine for the first time. (laughs) Uh, Talking about how how this is good stuff and how expensive it is. I think they say $2,000 for an ounce. Correct. I have no frame of reference for that, so I'm unsure. It sounds like it's expensive. Uh, (laughs) He inspects... (laughs) He inspects the box of cocaine. He picks it up and is looking at it, and he takes a little bit, and he puts he puts some in his nose. and just. He doesn't even really sniff it. He just kind of places it in his nose. No,
2: doesn't he put it in his mouth? Doesn't he, like, no, he it puts it in number? his nose.
0: I actually rewound to look at it because I thought that he tasted it, and I'm like, why is he sneezing? But he actually does put it in his nose, and after a moment, he does this. He's like, I don't want a big glob of white powder in my nostrils. I don't know why people do this. you know. <laughs> and after a moment... After he does this, he sneezes directly into the box and it creates this huge cloud of coke that goes everywhere. And it just goes all over the place and it abruptly I this,
2: cuts. I guess this uh, played really well with audiences, this scene did. But yeah. when I went, watched it, I was like, what? That I, was stupid. I, dude. Yeah, <laughs> when I, he sneezes I, out
1: the stash?
2: Yeah, he sneezes I, uh, out like the coke and it goes everywhere. Just like, poof. It's like I've I, seen that a hundred times. Maybe they're the, maybe he was the first one to do it.
0: But. Yeah, I, th- I think he was because right when it was going down, I, kn- I kind of knew I anticipated something like this and then it happened. And I was like, oh, yeah, I think I've heard that about this movie. Um so, and at two so thousand dollars. Of of
2: <laughs>
1: and at two thousand dollars an ounce, you are paying seventy one point four three dollars per gram, which is pretty good price. <laughs>
0: Actually, that's pretty cheap. Well, I've, isn't it? This isn't, is in 1970s money, isn't, though. Isn't things with when you buy things more involved? That's in 1970s money. Yeah, seventy-one. Well, okay, well, yeah, that's expensive. Eddie Hall's yeah, four hundred dollar apartment
2: okay. is a thousand eight hundred and seventy-eight dollars now. So that's that's.
1: Yeah. So this. So so it actually costed three hundred and thirteen point five dollars a gram. But that's neither here nor there.
0: Yeah. So while this is happening, uh, they're kind of talking about how they're planning to go to Los Angeles soon. So then we cut to Elvie and Annie flying out to Los Angeles where they meet up with Rob. Who is, he was the one who was always talking about Los Angeles, and he apparently has since moved there. Um, he's driving in the car. He must have picked them up from the airport. And when they are driving, they are driving through the neighborhoods. Annie comments on how clean it is as opposed to New York. And Woody Allen resp- or Elvie responds with, it's so clean because they don't throw away their garbage. They make it into television shows. But I'm um, yeah, um, thinking um. that he's pretty clever. Um, but then it cuts to we later see Rob in the studio of where he works. He appears to be the host or a star in this show. And he is with the editor and he's trying to manipulate the laugh track to make it amplified the laughter of certain yeah, like jokes this. and uh Elvi's like that is unethical. Give me like a building chuckle here. Yeah. Which is
2: actually how it, I actually listen to a podcast and like it was actually a, it was like a it was kind of like an art uh the way yeah, that they made they, laugh they, tracks. Yeah, they, had- they
0: absolutely do that. Mm-hmm. Um so during this scene Alvi's like oh I got to sit down and he begins to feel sick. Um and then it cuts to him seeing a doctor who's trying to get him to eat chicken. He's just out of his element, he's just being a little bitch. He's, he, it's all in his head. The doctor's saying that, that there's nothing wrong with him. He can't figure out what it is, but he's like, he's like, oh, I feel bad. I feel bad. Um, so then well yeah,
1: what was that all about? It was, he was trying to get out of doing the taping that he yeah, was. Yeah,
0: he was gonna. For. He was going to like a. He was gonna go. To, it was like a not an award show, but it was something he was. No, like he was hosting. supposed to perform. Yeah, he was doing. But why something. didn't he want to do it? He's just being—he's just out of New York. He's being whiny, I think, he's is the how t- I read yeah, it. Yeah, he's, he's mm.
1: out of his element, and so he's refusing to play nice. Yeah,
0: so after he gets better, we cut to them attending, Elvie, uh, Annie, and Rob, attending a party of Tony, who was played by Paul Simon, that guy who approached her after the show. Oh, and this yeah. is his house in Hollywood. Elvie uh, is concerned that Tony likes Annie, Um, But Rob reassures him that, no, that's actually his girl over there. He's got, he's like, I don't know if it's wife or his girlfriend, but it's another girl. But eventually, Tony is trying to convince. And Tony's uh, the uh, music producer. Yep, yep. And we cut to Tony, who is trying, he's having a conversation privately with Annie, trying to convince her to stay with him in LA to record an album on the compound. S- he was
1: offering her like a living space. Yeah.
0: Yep. And t- to live with him, his own personal home. So I it definitely sounded sketchy. He, yeah. It yeah, was yeah. like, it was like so, in the
1: garage though. It was like a fancy ass garage. It seems like a, a, like well, Harvey Weinstein. He
0: still type. wanted her to stay with him. So yeah, LV's concerns were not um, completely unfounded. There was some validity to him, but he's just, he's just shitty. So, I mean, rightly so. I, she she does eventually go there, but anyway, so he's played like more like it was just like his jealousy rather than they like can't actually give like a shit. And so and Apparently. so after this, uh, he's kind of showing them around in different places. They talk. He's like oh. like, "Oh, she's like, oh." They just sit around and watch movies all the time. He's like, "Yeah, you do that until you die." And then they walk out of this room, and we get a very brief cameo of Jeff, Jeff Goldblum, Goldblum. Yeah. Uh, on the phone. He's he's calling. It, it it's unclear i reminded a couple of times it's unclear exactly who he's calling but he's calling because he forgot his mantra and then it yeah
1: unfortunately uh, one of uh one of woody uh, allen's defenders um i say unfortunately because I, like you guys it sounds like i'm a big uh, gold bloom fan
0: yeah <laughs> so, fuck you <laughs> so uh, so anyway uh i'm i'm on the flight home, we hear Annie and Elvie's inner monologues about their rela- how their relationship isn't working. They're both separately kind of talking to themselves, trying to work up the courage to break up, just how it's not working. Clearly, this trip has just shown the cracks in their relationship. It's not, it's, not a lo- it's not a long-term thing. It's pretty clear to them they want different things. Uh, at a certain point, they uh, both work up the nerve to verbalize what they're thinking at the very same time. And they decide uh, to no longer be together. And Alvi puts it as the, uh, he found out a relationship <laughs> is like a shark. It always has to keep moving to survive.
1: because it so, to constantly move forward or it dies, which I thought yeah. was a hilarious line actually. Yeah no it, it's, it, it it's kind of cool.
0: It's a good analogy. so then <laughs> it's uh, also
1: just like that is not how a shark works.
0: <laughs> so then so he pretty much says the relationship's a dead shark. They decide to split up. Uh, we then cut to them divvying up their belongings. They come across, during this, they come across the first book that he bought her about death. Uh, and it's kind of an unimportant scene. They're just divvying up their things. There's some buttons. She's like, oh, this button's mine. And then find out that most of the rest of the buttons are Elvies. He has one impeach pretty much every sitting president of his entire lifetime. He's got a button for it. <laughs> pretty just much just, everybody. Yeah, just pretty much showing that he's never happy. Um, So then, LV dates another woman with no luck at all. uh, We see him attempting to recreate the magic with that lobster debacle we saw in the beginning. He's got lobsters all over the floor, and this woman is just very uninterested. Uh, it isn't working. Well, she's work. just
1: like, "What the fuck? Like, like, like you're an adult. You can't just pick it up." Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty funny. It yeah. just
2: replays a lobster scene, but with like a different, a different girl, and she's just, it's just like nowhere near. Yeah, like something. he literally tried to like stage like he's to up. He's like, he
1: is pick so uncreative as a man he's, that
0: he just like manufactured a spontaneous scenario. He's just trying to recreate the magic and it is not working. Uh, he tries to tell a joke at one point that oh, it's he's tense because he stopped smoking 16 years ago and she's like, was that a joke? Like she doesn't find him funny at all. Um, and then lonely and unhappy, he said, decides to get back with try to get back with Annie and attempts to fly out to LA where she is now living with Tony played by Paul Simon Uh, and when he gets there he rents a car um, which is not something he is familiar with at all and they meet at a restaurant where he asks her to marry him she declines and in her declining him she has this line you're like New York City, you're an island and at this moment I had to grab a bag and barf in it because that is the Fucking most ridiculous line. He thinks yeah. he, he thinks he's so New York. Like he, yeah. you could just see he's him in, like jerking he's off incapable writing that of line,
1: enjoying life because he is just an island unto himself.
0: He, oh yeah, you're so much. You're so New York, Woody. You're so New York. He was New a big, uh, a big oh, biggie fan. You're, so, and, you're uh,
1: so you're so you're so fucking smart because of how miserable you God, are. God, you're so. Also, can we talk so about what nice. he ordered while he was waiting for her to show up? Yeah, that, that was another like uh, a elserdus yeah, uh, alfalfa you, you, sprout and a plate of mashed. Yeast, yeah, 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 just like, making
2: fun of LA and like uh, the, the hipsters and, and oh, yeah, maybe they're possibly. eating like weird foods, yeah. yeah, like it's so alien to him because he's so fucking New York, dude. yeah, he's, he's New, so York, New York, he's bro. New York, dum,
0: um, dum, 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 dum. So, so she declines him and he follows her Where's as she picking? storms out and she drives away. Alvi gets into his rental car, and while he is trying to leave, he backs into and moves forward into several different cars, and we get a brief glimpse of the bumper cars from when he was a child. I really liked that. I like that; of, uh, mm. it was kind of it's kind of bookending it. It shows his childhood and where he is. He used to do that to kind of get his aggression out. It's a moment when he's very upset, and he crashes. It just made me think. I'm like, God damn, cars used to be so much more durable than they are today.
2: Like <laughs> holy fuck.
0: Yeah, they were um, fucking boats. Yeah, so. <laughs> So after that happens, a cop approaches him, and he kind of just spirals and just talks about how he's having a rough day. The cop's like, I don't need your life story, just give me your license. And he's just just going on, and then it cuts to him in a jail cell. The cop eventually arrested him, and we see his friend Rob picking him up from jail. Uh, when they are leaving the jail, there is an extremely weird line here. Where where Elvie says that when he called Rob, he heard high-pitched squealing when he called him. And Rob says, (laughs) you know, I was with 16-year-old twins. Can you imagine the mathematical probabilities? And for a second, I was like, did we flash forward like 16 years and these are his children he's talking about? Which actually, for Woody Allen, would make sense as well. But no, he's talking about having sex with two 16-year-old twins. And this is something Woody Allen wrote. And it's like, hmm, is that yeah. your fantasy? You're like, definitely like to keep it in the family, I guess. Yeah. That was probably the most shocking line in this movie that um, was pretty on the nose for our intro on Woody Allen a little mm-hmm. bit. But uh, So in the next scene, uh, LV is directing a rehearsal of his first play, which is a recreation of his relationship with Annie. But instead, he gives it his ideal ending. With Annie leaving LA for Elvie, uh, he at this point he then turns to and the they get ca- married. I think, don't they? In that in that one. Uh, well, yeah, because he 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 wanted her to marry him, and she's like, "Okay, I'll move back with you. I'll marry you." Yeah. Um. So, and at things. this point, he's watching this scene take place. He's like the the he's direct, directing. It, he's yeah. the director of the play, and he turns to the camera and shrugs. Um, and he dismisses his revision as no big deal. "Quote: You're always trying to get things to come out perfect in art." Because it's real difficult in life. Um, this is another example of him. I don't know. It, it, he's trying to rewrite history. It goes along with him being an unreliable narrator. He's yeah, just, he. Wants, everything's he, about. He
1: wants to make it end favorably for him. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And so after this, we Elvie and Annie meet once more when they are both dating other people. They're standing outside of a theater, uh, and then in a kind of little montage, we get brief snapshots. From previously in the film scenes, we had seen flashes of them being happier together um, when they were together. The lobster scene, just times when they're together smiling. And it sums up his memories and memorializing their relationship. In a brief distant shot, they're seen shaking hands and parting ways. Elvie with his head down. Elvie gives a last voiceover about their relationship, concluding that they are absurd and futile. Futile but ultimately necessary. Annie's song, her singing, Annie is singing, seems like old times. Swells as the credits roll. Do you uh, have that last line? He was like, he's like uh, yeah,
2: there shit I'll try to remember yeah, yeah, it it was, yeah he
1: was talking about he was he was telling kind of like a bit joke yeah you yeah know? Was, like, like, like we, a philosophical we, we take, thing to bookend the beginning and he says my yeah. brother's crazy yep. he thinks he's a chicken mm-hmm. and then, well then, why do then, you have then, him committed yeah, yeah why don't you turn him in because back in the day that was you know what they did they would just you know they thought somebody's crazy they just had him
0: committed why don't you turn him in because I need the eggs
1: yeah, yeah. Relationships are rational, crazy, and absurd, but most of us need the eggs. Um, which is a great, great ending. Line yeah, yeah. That is. I thought it was eggs solid. Yeah, that is a solid ending
0: line. I was glad it was over easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, can you give me? A,
2: can you give me kind of like a swelling chuckle there, and then just like a really big laugh yeah. at that moment?
0: Wait, wait. Can we? Can we go back? Okay. Wait, wait, wait. I'm glad this movie is over easy. Oh, that we we're adding the laugh track there. Okay, so I did my best. I really. This is did. a very long-winded episode thus far. Um, so I think there is just time left to give our final conclusions on the film. This isn't necessarily separating the art from the artist, but rather a rating of how we rate this film. And we can start with either of you. I'll go first. Wait, so, what are we
2: rating it as though? At, I today.
0: think that we should rate it. What um, about eggs? A, a zero out of five lobsters on the floor. It's oh yeah, what okay, I was thinking.
1: okay. That's that's be- that's better than rating it out of eggs. Yeah.
0: Do you okay. know? By the
2: way, during that scene, they were cooking. They were cooking six fucking lobsters. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that absurd. Is, is an absurd <laughs> amount
1: of food for two people. Like, I don't know how well it keeps in the fridge either. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um. So this movie was, was, like, it was technically beautiful. Like, from, like, a person, like, the perspective of somebody who, like, appreciates film art and just, uh, you know, production and practical effects value, this movie did a lot of really, really, really cool stuff. Having said all of that, I fucking hated this movie, dude. This movie fucking sucked. <laughs> like this, is like I like I read that this is considered one of the funniest screenplays of all time, M- and num- po- possibly number one. Number mm-hmm. thirty-five number,
0: on yeah. AFI's top one hundred list. Okay, yeah, I, I of it, movies of all yeah, time. I it was stand like the against on the comedy that. Like, whatever. like this, comedy like this on. movie
1: has funny lines, but mostly it is just really disjointed it is just one big circle jerk for him he is the most self-indulgent motherfucker I have ever seen everything in this is just to advance his own kind of quirky holier-than-thou view of like fucking how fucking smart he is and how dumb everybody else is and like it almost seems as though it's self-aware because the character is just so unlikable but by the end of it I'm convinced that he is like fully cool with how this character acts like i i kind of think like like as like had anybody else made it it would have been like oh look at this really really horrible guy and like how he just doesn't understand what's going on around him and how it's keeping him miserable but it kind of seems like he likes being miserable i don't know um i give it three out of five lobsters on the floor
2: all right
0: and to you nathaniel
2: I oh man it's gonna it's gonna be hard to put a, a lobster tail on this dude um because I did i yeah I thought it I thought there were a lot of really brilliant moments I was surprised by how cohesive and easy to follow it was even though it was so disjointed and literally just a series of like memories kind of um just like li- just little skits um but it it did tell like a cohesive uh, tale. And yeah, it would, Woody Allen, definitely very self-indulgent in this movie for sure. Um, I did think it was funny. I didn't think it was laugh out loud. Funny. Um, I would think it was more like witty than anything or, um, clever, but I mean, that also adds to kind of like the, almost like the self-indulgent, like nature of it. Just the way that Woody Allen is like constantly talking and like giving us his like two cents about every fucking thing and like making jokes about, um, Everything, it, it, there's really no other, like, uh, um, no other characters in this film that really, like, do any of the, uh, that really make us laugh or, like, do any of the jokes, to try to entertain us. Like, it's, it's, it's just the Woody Allen show the whole entire time. Um, but, yeah, um, I really liked it. I thought uh, the, like, the fourth wall breaking, um, as we talked about before, it never did get old. And it constantly surprised me. Um, some of the like it's the true. sub the subtitles um, when they were that that th- they were talking the subtitles explained their like unspoken thoughts like so like the subtitles at the bottom weren't what they were actually saying to each other they were what they were thinking to each other there's like a lot of like really brilliant moments like that that obviously are so far outside the box that I've never I've never seen almost any of them used successfully s- since. Um, or I mean, I saw him for the first time watching this movie. Um, I'm I'm gonna give it like a solid like 4.5 lobster tails out of five. Um, the only my only complaint being how self indulgent it is um, on Woody Allen's part. But he did make himself look like a dick, though. Like he <laughs> he, he had to have known that. I mean, like that was kind of like the or that was his character i mean the the, the yeah. movie that this movie was chiseled from it, it was a, it was originally called i think it was anhedonia was that is that the right word yeah the yeah, lack so, of pleasure yep, it yep, came. It's, yeah it's it's like the inability to feel pleasure Yep. so even though he played a dick in this i mean he was obviously playing like i think an exaggerated version of himself
1: yeah, like riffing on himself. So it's not like
2: he didn't know that he was being a yeah. dick, like the movie was called Anhedonia originally. Super so. glad
0: they didn't name it that.
2: Yeah, that <laughs> sounds like a spooky like <laughs> No, uh,
0: it's just it's it's a it's a circle jerk of a title for a circle jerk of a movie. I guess it would be For sure, fitting, yeah, yeah,
2: definitely. Um yeah, 4.5. Uh 4. I th- 5. I, th- I thought oh. it was uh I thought I thought it had a lot of really really brilliant um hard to pull off uh moments. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, I agree with both of you. And uh, you kind of have said what the notes that I had written about my feelings on this film. Um, one thing I want to touch on is it is hard to deny that this movie has influenced many things that I truly love. Mm-hmm. Uh, some excu- obscure examples being like the television series Malcolm in the Middle. That one, uh, th- the fourth oh, law breaking well, of that. Oh, yeah. It's straight Seinfeld? up. It's straight up. Uh, it's straight up pulled from this movie for sure. Another Best one
1: thing in the first episode when she's like, uh, all those kids that made fun of you or just creepy little losers are going to end up working in a car wash. And he looks at the screen. And he's like, that shouldn't make me feel better, but it does. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: You turn the uh, sunshine.
0: Uh, okay. Another example, uh, the monologues um, during Crawl Show in between the sketches, that's a lot of fun. They just kind of address the camera and kind of tell what they're thinking. Definitely pulled from this movie. Um, and also the genre of romantic comedies in general, I think, was born through this movie uh, in the sense of it like truly being funny and someone trying to like get someone back. The, I don't think romantic comedies were ever the same after this movie. Uh, like Nathaniel touched on, the fourth wall breaking is fun, and I thought it remained fresh by heightening the stakes and changing itself, so it never felt stale. But also, like Tim said, Woody Allen is very insufferable. It's kind of hard; y- you don't root for him. But I guess that's not really the point of the movie. You're not you're not rooting for him. This is Annie Hall's movie. Um, it's, I it's, can't
1: believe I never thought about it like that, given that she is the fucking title of the movie. But you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's,
0: it's very much a movie. Another thing that people really fucking hate about this movie is Annie Hall actually beat Star Wars for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. The original Star Wars in the 1978 Oscars. That doesn't knock any stars off for me, but I think that's something <laughs> worth noting. <You're>, you <laughs> mean I... like, so an uh, original Star Wars meaning a new hope? Yes. Yeah, okay. When it was called mm-hmm. Star Wars, yes. It um, won
2: four out of the five biggins.
0: So to, to wrap up my rating, I am going to give it 3.5 out of 5 lobsters on the kitchen floor. Are you hearing this, listener? An average of, 5 out of f- 4 out of 5 lobsters on the floor? Are you telling me that these three men in their late 20s find me insufferable? Hey, you and me both, buddy. Have they even been to Manhattan? They say I'm too full of myself, but can you blame me? I'm clearly the best filmmaker and the smartest man in any room I've ever been in. You know, it kind of reminds me of an old saying, if nobody is good enough for your daughter, then you should marry her yourself. Anyway, that's kind of how I live my life. It isn't much, but at least I get to buy one less birthday gift every year. God, that was hot. All right, so time to separate the art from the artist. Um, I think we're all going to have I, the same I, I, answer yeah, here. I, yeah, I think, I think I, I the think, art is the artist. I can, the I, I'll i start on this one. Uh, seeing as he used real footage of himself on TV, it, it's very much himself in this film. This film is him. You can't separate something when he's just up front presenting, hey, look how smart I am, look how cute I am. He's he is and he's the art. Not fucking cute. He is the fucking art. And then that line about sixteen-year-old twins. Fuck you, Woody Allen. I cannot separate the art from the artist on this one. This this one is the you're, you're the problem. I can't yeah. I can't watch this without thinking about your your history, man. I just can't.
1: Yeah. So I'm gonna have to kind of piggyback off that. Yeah. I feel like I really really wanted to. I really wanted to like this movie. There's a ton of great stuff going on in it. ton of great stuff, which I think, you know, we've more than adequately addressed, I hope. But, um, I mean, there's just so much stuff in this that not only suggests that he's just the biggest fucking cunt, but also <laughs> that, like, it, there's just, like, a lot of stuff that just suggests that he has kind of, like, a warped view of women. In Like, 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 like... Yeah, some of it is just for comedic value, and some of it is that his character is supposed to be a dick, but there's just a lot of stuff in here that kind of, like, stacks up, and by the end of it, I'm like, yeah, this guy is, like, kind of a fucking misogynist. I don't know, I, it, and then again, you know, when you pile on the fact that he married his girlfriend's daughter... um Ex-wife, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he never, he never married Mia. Uh, oh, yeah, never married. They never married, but they were together for twelve. Oh, then, years. then it's okay. yeah Oh, Rewind, delete. Let's recut this. Whoa, practice. I can definitely separate the right. from the artist now. All right. Yeah, Sunier. Uh, Whoo, but yeah, I'm gonna. That's a big fat no for
0: me, bud. And to you, Nathaniel.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's playing a he's playing a, a, a more extreme version of himself. Um. Diane Keaton is playing a version of herself. It's impossible to separate the art from the artist when the art is the artist. Like it's, yeah, I mean, his, his, his sense of humor definitely shines through his, uh, um, narcissism definitely, um, shines through, <laughs> uh, like, like you said, his, 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 view of, uh, women and relationships, it's, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's, it's all him. I mean, the movie is about him. And yeah, the movie is called Annie Hall, but it's about, I I don't think it's Annie Hall's movie. It's, it's his, it's, it's through his perspective, um, about his relationship with, uh, Diane Keaton.
0: Um, yeah. So can, can you separate the art from the artist? No, you can't. And the gavel bangs. We cannot separate the art from the artist. On Was this, this,
1: the first is this the first the first agreement? Um.
0: Uh, I don't remember. My memory is, I don't remember, unfortunately. But um, I know we are getting rather long in this episode. But long I have in a the tooth. I have a little side tangent of uh, a little rabbit hole I went down today. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> So in doing a little research for this, I was trying to figure out what other Woody Allen films I had seen. Um, Another one being Midnight in Paris with Owen Wilson. I really liked that movie. I think I saw that before I knew anything about Woody Allen, but I saw that in theaters when I was in high school. And I, I I really enjoyed it. But one notable thing in his filmography that I saw, he was a voice actor and the lead in the movie Ants. So... So I, not
1: I, down a rabbit hole but down an ant hill. Yes,
0: down an anthill, exactly. So I did a little research on ants because I knew I had seen it and I always was like, oh, that is the worst bug's life. Like a bug's life is a good one, the Pixar movie. So in Yeah, it's du- spelled with a Z, isn't it? Yeah, Ants is spelled no, with a Z. And do, you a know, do you know why? <laughs> a bug's because, life. <laughs> no, no, Ants is spelled with a Z, and the lead character voiced by Woody Allen's name is Z. Yeah, God, it's dumb. Very on the nose, and so these two movies actually have the exact same plot. And I did some research on it, and it turns out that that is like a big thing. They have the exact same plot. Do and they really it, have the? You mean like industrial espionage? They, they have yeah. the exact same plot, and the reason being that um, they were at both at the time fighting to be the second ever completely computer animated film. The first being Toy Story, and this man. This man, (laughs) this man Jeff Katzenberg, who worked for Disney and debatably turned their animation department into the giant it is today, he worked on such films as The Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, many other films. So, but mostly, mostly
1: conventional cell
0: animation. Yes, full Full
2: disclosure. Uh, Inga is wearing a, a Mickey Mouse shirt currently, so this may be a little biased. That was not about
0: planned. Keep no, I, I actually don't really like Disney. I was never. I was a. I was Nickelodeon. I wasn't Disney Channel. Well, are you Disney. Team Bugs Life or Team Ants? I'm Team bugs bunny baby looney tunes but anyway um, warner brothers interesting choice so a third path <laughs> <laughs> so uh so he worked there for these cell animation movies as tim highlighted and he was actually also a huge part in getting the disney and pixar relationship going which is w- the big giant we see today and at one point while well, he was working there uh, the job for president of Disney Animation was up for grabs, and Katzenberg thought he should get it, but ultimately he did not. A Disney, ce- a Disney CEO kind of snubbed him on the job when him and several other people felt that he was the right guy for it because he was leading the animation department. Wait, wait his name is Katzenbergs? Katzenberg.
2: Oh, I was wondering if that's where like, Tom and Jerry Cats came and from. Birds. Okay, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to <laughs> s-
0: speed through this because we're tight on time, but uh, because of this... He left. He actually left. It was a mouse, wasn't it? He actually (laughs) left Disney and started the company DreamWorks. Uh, And one of of his close old coworkers, one of his colleagues, John Lasseter, who he worked very closely. And John Lasseter was the director of Toy Story and was kind of starting this completely uh, computer animation wing of Disney and Pixar. And so he was working on Toy Story well he was there and he also had another thing in the pipeline a a movie about ants and these bugs that he was very excited for but it was a couple years down the road so when katzenberg left he left with information about the future project a bug's life Um, and he also had this dispute with the disney ceo over not getting the job and then the ceo also tried to snub him on money and not pay him Um, so he went and started DreamWorks, and at a certain point, Lassiter got suspicious when Katzenberg kept asking details about A Bug's Life's release date. And the Disney CEO, to kind of get back at him for leaving, and I, there was bad blood between them, the Disney CEO scheduled the premiere of A Bug's Life to come out on the same day as the DreamWorks' first scheduled animated film called The Prince of Egypt. Because of this... Um, Katzenberg was also working on a film which became Ants, but because of this, he wanted to beat them to the punch, so he supposedly paid his team extra to try to beat A Bug's Life to theaters, and they put The Prince of Egypt on the back burner and focused on Ants, and they tried very hard to beat them to theaters with this movie that had the same plot. And this is Prince of
1: Egypt, like the animated retelling of Genesis?
0: Uh, I'm not super familiar with that movie, but probably. Okay, that sounds, um, that sounds right. And um, so, wait, so
2: A Bug's Life was the, was the OG one, though?
0: It originally was in production. So yes. Ants, they
2: just tried to. It, he he, tried he, to he left the...
0: with the idea of what A Bug's Life was, but he didn't know that much details. And when you watch them, you can see the parallels. Like, there are certain plot points that he had heard that are the same, but it's a very different movie. Mm. So he started paying his team extra, supposedly, to try to beat Ants to theater. Um, And they ultimately succeeded, and Ants came out a month before A Bug's Life in 1998. And though Bugs Life was released second, it doubled Ants in the box office. Some say it's because of Toy Story fame, and I, I kind of agree with that. Ants was just this new studio, and... It is kind of a worse movie.
1: The ants also look a little bit like creepier
0: in that, and like they, they don't look as cute. And, and as yeah, my problem,
2: they're definitely more like square or like uh, angular. And, like, yeah. And and for Bugs the pod, life is all and they're cutesy, cartoony.
0: And for the pod, I watched both of these movies this morning to try to get a better idea. I had seen both of them, but it had been a long time. And in doing research, both ants and A Bug's Life are rated on Rotten Tomatoes as ninety-two percent fresh. But with really? ants, the audience score is 52%, wherein Bugs Life has a 73% audio, audience score. And it shows. I watched both of them. My issue with ants is they all look the fucking same. It's pretty boring. Bugs Life was smart. They made them, like, blue. They look a little better. But yeah, and then, they weren't all ants. And then there's the whole circus of different bugs. It was really the life of the movie. They all had their own story. There was yeah, they, the uh,
1: caterpillar and the rhinoceros beetle.
0: Yeah, there
2: was uh, a caterpillar that talked like this, yeah? yeah
0: yep. And, and then there and was that the, the angry ladybug, yeah, who oh, looked like yeah. a girl. They all thought he was a girl, but he was this tough guy. Now I think a single fucking... ladybug's a lady, but it's not. <laughs> yep, yep. And there was the praying mantis magician, probably my favorite character. And you're probably do wondering, that one. do that voice? I, I, I don't have it. But it's you're make it pr- up, dude. You're prob- probably French, right? I don't, I don't remember. I just watched it, but I'm tr- sorry, I'm trying to. No we're We're over 2.30 right now. I'm trying to go over this. But uh, so you're probably wondering why I'm bringing this up. Yeah, Woody Allen's the lead voice of Z the Ant. But why are you going into A Bug's Life in this story? It actually ties into our Monster Movie Month a little bit more because the villain in A Bug's Life, Hopper the Grasshopper. Can you guys guess who Hopper the Grasshopper is? It's
1: not also Woody Allen, is it?
0: Kevin Spacey. <laughs> mm. Kevin Spacey. So both of these bug movies which that, is, that uh, which battled... Which is a, in A Bug's Life, right?
2: Yes. So, I mean, A Bug's Life had probably way more A-listers than... No, A-listers they actually are both really? stacked. Really? They're
0: both stacked with the cast. I was actually going to go into that in a second. but So so both of these bug movies that fought to be released first, and it was this bad blood between like a previous co-worker and all this, they both are headed voice acting by two of our monsters who are both uh pedophiles if you uh believe the claims against them which i thought was kind of neat but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah um, but so yeah they have a huge star-studded cast um
2: all the biggest pedophiles in the business. Yeah, they
0: got Kevin Spacey. No, the voice acting's great. You can look in it. There's I don't really spy. Yeah. We don't have time for me to go into it, but I did want to ask you guys a question. Something of my childhood. Yeah, and did by y- the way, oh, wait, um, real quick. both
1: of these guys like being in these bug stories. Yeah, yeah. Now that is Kafka esque.
0: Oh shit! And there was just one last thing I wanted to ask you guys about this. It was a big part of my childhood. Did you guys ever play the? A Bugs Life video game for PlayStation One.
1: Is that the one that was also ported to N sixty four cartridge? It may have been. Yes. Mm-mm. The answer is still no, but I'm familiar with the game.
0: Oh, it's so good! Watching these movies makes me want to get a PlayStation One so I can play it. I remember can, playing. It, I remember playing with my cousins. This game is so good. There's a, the, there's the first one where Thumper, the super fucking like rabid, scary grasshopper is there and you have to avoid them there's also this level i think it's the level that i got to the end like the last level i got to as far as i got and it's the scene when dot the little ants who uh she's like on a dandelion like the dead ones that float she's like holding on one and there's a bird flying and so then you have to be uh flick uh, the main character and you have to grab onto dandelions and like jump from dandelion to dandelion. And it's like a flying mission. It's so great. I, sorry. I just yeah, got well, very excited. I'm <laughs> watching. I'm going to look up. Oh my
2: God. There's this one level where like you're like copper. <laughs> hey, I sped yeah. through it. I sped through <laughs> it. Oh my God. The level three though. Level three. Okay. So like, uh, okay so you're like <laughs> <I'm just
0: kidding. laughs> i think uh, it was worth it yeah i and, liked it well, i it's, so yeah, it's well, yeah i
1: think i think we're all glistening on the forehead you know call your senators I think this I'm, has been the hottest october in memory yeah. um we need to uh, and it's rebuild time these for ice caps <laughs>
0: trivia but we are short on time <laughs> 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 no no we can if I mean, we already, I if thought we weren't something. doing it. So it's already touched on oh, some okay, of it. Okay. No, I can, I, I can rapid fire did, it. I can rapid fire No, no, no. It. I, I thought you did. That's why I went into Bugs Life and Ants. I probably would have asked this, but a lot of time. Just, I did so, spend I just, a lot of time. I just have one
2: thing written down, and that's uh, Woody Allen clears his throat over a dozen times in this movie, and that's it. Uh, that's all, uh, all the research I did. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's awesome. No, no, there's... There, uh, 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 I mean, I don't know. I, I did touch on uh, quite a bit of this. But yeah, there, there's a lot of other films that were inspired by this. Uh, 500 Days of Summer being like the most direct um, remake, I guess. I haven't seen it. It's with Joseph. 500 Days of Joseph Summer. That's like, like the cutesy teen movie about yeah. a couple
1: it's that highly doesn't rated. make
0: it. Yeah. It's supposed to be good. I've never Seinfeld seen
2: it. Seinfeld is also apparently... Um, Uh, uh, influenced by this movie quite a Hmm. bit. Um, Seinfeld was a big fan of, and still is, of Woody Allen. Um, Yeah, uh, essentially this movie uh, made uh, people take notice of Woody Allen in a a way that he wasn't uh, noticed by, you know, before. He won four out of the five big um, Oscars that year, beating out Star Wars notoriously, Um, won Best Director, Screenplay, and Actress. Um, Woody Allen was nominated. I love how he didn't win that. And uh, yeah, Diane yeah that's great. I'm so way. glad Diane
0: Keaton was the one to take <laughs> yeah, that. That's so sick. Um, take home that Oscar gold. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um,
2: the character of Annie Hall has a very distinct style, and it, it sparked a, a brief fashion trend. And that was actually yeah. just how Diane Keaton uh, just dressed. Yeah, it that was, it was her wasn't, outfit, wasn't mm-hmm. it?
0: Like the 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 vest with the long tie. That was yeah, her was Grammys kind of oh, kind, bo- kind of bo- kind of bohemian look. Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, it was it was co-written by a, a man named Marshall Brickman, who also went on to co-write the books for Jersey Boys and The Adams Family. Uh, the film is a trimmed-down version of a two-and-a-half-hour-long project, as we already uh, mentioned before, titled Anhedonia. Um, the story in Annie Hall it was actually uh, one of three plot lines in the original cut. The others were about Elvi's quote, concern with the banality of the life that we all live, which I think shone through, and uh, his obsession with proving himself and testing himself to find out what kind of character he had. And... Um, so I, I thought this was interesting. They also trimmed out a scene um, that involved the devil himself giving the audience a tour of the nine circles of hell. Yeah,
0: that was with... Uh, it was supposed to be with Rob. They they oh, go down in an elevator. That. Oh, really? I listened to an interview I with wanted him to and see he, how they would have portrayed the devil. It was actually repurposed. Oh, fuck. It was repurposed in another Woody Allen movie. That's That scene oh, really? is made they again in it. another... In, okay. They did it in another movie. It, yeah. the, the
2: fifth... Uh, the 5th um, circle of hell was reserved for dictators, organized crime, and those who do not appreciate oral sex. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: um, yeah, so like Artie, like I, over the course of this name, I thought his name was Albie, Alvie, Aldie, Artie, and his name is Alvie, right? Yes, Alvie, okay, yeah, A-L-V-Y. That is the only version that I do not have written in my
0: notes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, uh, the Truman Capote lookalike was actually Truman Capote.
0: Oh, really? Yep. Wow. Oh.
2: Otherwise... Uh, in cold blood. Yeah, Variety wrote. Um, I mean, it was you know instantly hailed as a classic. The gags fly by in an almost nonstop profusion, but there's an undercurrent of sadness and pain... Um, reflecting a a maturation of style. The New York Times said it finally establishes Woody as one of our most audacious filmmakers as well as the only American filmmaker who is able to work seriously in comic mode without being the least bit ponderous. Good old Roger Ebert... Uh, said uh, there are two Woody Allens here. Our, our, our old pal, the original Woody, who's, who's given to making a size directly into the camera and a new Allen who creates LV Singer in his own image and then allows him to be beca- to behave consistently, even sometimes at the cost of laughs.
0: Uh, um, yeah, and that pretty much we touched on everything else. Nice. Well, I think we know that Woody Allen is a problem. He's, a, he's insufferable. But, uh, he's a monster! We t- Yeah, he's a monster. Uh, and it's funny that we touched on A Bug's Life because our friend the Cricket... I can hear his friends outside, but I can't hear him in the house. The cr- oh shit, there
2: he is. The, the Cricket is like our version of like the Oscar music that plays. When, like, yeah, it's, it's like,
1: like, like, wrap it up,
0: motherfucker. It's,
1: time to, it's time, to, time to stop, I got a song to
2: sing. Time to drink a fucking <laughs> think gallon of water.
0: Se- I literally just pushed play on my computer. And it is soaked in sweat. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Time to drink some hard see seltzers. You ne- see you next week when we watch dun, 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 dun. Roman Polanski's *Rosemary's Baby*. We're getting into the spookiness of this season that we're in. That's October.
1: Me. Yeah, finally, our first—you uh, know—arguably horror movie. Um, good times.
0: Arguably, I think it's pretty, pretty considered pretty horrific. Yeah, well, I guess we'll have to watch it and see. Well, all right. That's. Have a good day. And that's all, folks. (laughs) Bugs. Bum, 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 bum. (laughs) We just
1: can't
2: stop. Can't stop. (laughs) Can't (laughs) turn it off.